You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? I'm coming in again, What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Ega on the other line. Ega, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a pretty good show for y'all this week. We're getting slower and slower into the NFL season, and playoffs are right around the corner. But uh, we got some some heavy hearts right now with some recent um, football things that have gone on earlier this week on Monday. Quincy will go ahead and, and get y'all updated with that. Yes, but before we got dive into that, if this is your first time listening to the Q&A podcast, we do have five segments. We have our sports segment, Two Wild Wednesday, Social Media Wants to Know, Entertainment and Current Events, and Pass the Ox. So definitely stick with us throughout this whole episode. And for all of your betting needs, definitely go to BavadaSportsBook.com. And going back to what Edgar said about uh, heavy hearts going into this uh, going into this podcast, if you didn't watch that Buffalo versus Bengals game, like that, that felt like a moment in sports history, honestly. And it's a such it's a situation that's still unraveling before our eyes. But if you didn't watch, Demora Hamlin, uh, the safety for the Buffalo Bills, ended up having a tragic situation where he had a heart attack on the field. He had to get CPR. He had to get uh taken to the hospital. He he couldn't breathe on his own while he was on the field. I think yesterday we started to get some updates that I think he's back up to 50%, so he's starting to improve. But it was just a moment that we've never seen before in NFL history because, yeah, we see injuries all the time, players having concussions, but they get back up, they give us the thumbs up, and then they go off. But with this situation, we've never seen somebody get CPR. Like, somebody could have died right in front of these players' faces and all of these fans' faces. Like, that's a traumatizing thing that happened for a lot of football fans and those players there. So, Edgar, just give your reaction to what happened on Monday night. Uh, Yeah, the crazy part is I I wasn't even watching the game at that time. I was watching a show, and I I totally blanked out and forgot it was Monday Night Football. Uh, My dad texted me. Well, no, he called me, and he was like, "Uh, did you see the injury that just happened? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? He was like, on the game. And I'm like, oh, damn, it is Monday Night Football. And he was like, yeah, can you? Can you try to find it? Because they, they're not showing the replay. They said it was it was that bad. They didn't want to show it. So I, I go to my phone, and I see that somebody went in cardiac arrest. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, what are you guys talking about? So I, I see the video, and it's always the things that the, – the injuries that are the most scariest are the ones that damn near have no contact or very little contact at all. Like, usually when you see ACL tears or – when you see um concussions, like ACL tears can happen with you just running too fast and you trick your your leg a certain way. Or if you get a concussion like Tua, you get slammed down to the ground, but you get slammed down like how every other quarterback gets slammed down. Next thing you know, you're not getting up. This was a situation where DeMar Hamlet tackled T. Higgins with a very textbook tackle, stood up, and then just fell back, like as if the wind just knocked him over. And it was so breathtaking because, like Quincy said, we've never seen this. At least in the modern day of of the NFL, modern day of sports in America, we have never seen this. A few of my coworkers told me there's been a couple of situations where people have, like, passed out on either on basketball courts or in the field or whatever. But those were, like, decades. Oh, yeah. Like, older people watching. I remember that happened to my man from um, Loyola Marymount. What was his name? Yeah. Hank Hank Gathers. That happened to Hank Gathers. Hank Gathers. 
Yeah, so they, these situations aren't uncommon. I think even uh, it was either Dominique Foxworth or, or Ryan Clark. One of them, even they said they, they've had teammates who have passed away due to, you know, injuries that they sustained fairly quickly. And I know we're used to hearing about players passing uh, earlier in life than expected due to CTE or whatever, but we've never seen this, like Quincy said, not nationally televised the way it was to where everybody can see it. Injuries like that, that happened back in the day. If you weren't there, you didn't see it. And if you heard about it, you still didn't see it because there was no replays like there are nowadays. There was no social media. No, you could be in Asia right now and you could see the injury as if you were actually there at the game. So this was just something that couldn't be taken lightly. I'm glad the NFL did what they needed to do and just suspended the game and just, mm -hmm. you know, said they didn't want well, to, which is another. No, they, no, they, no, they, because they, the like, no, the like, coaches and the coaches know the NFL was going to continue, try to continue the game. But the coaches had ended up having a conversation like we can't play this game. When we just play, bro, the yes, NFL was, were, bro. They, were, they told him, we're going to give you, I'm telling you, that's the story, bro. The coaches, I'm had telling you what the vice play. president said, the vice president of the NFL said, no, bro, they I don't know. Play. They were saying it on the, that's why we stayed there so long, bro, because they were wanted to come back to the game. But the, they were up having a conversation of like, no, we're not playing this game. They were staying there because we, we just didn't know what was happening. Like they, Nobody understood what the total outcome was. That's why they didn't just at that moment say, okay, yeah, the game is canceled. Like it was just at a standstill. And the vice president of the NFL said, yes, we were at a standstill, but that didn't mean we were trying to make the game keep going. Somebody just literally damn near died on the field. Like it, it's not a concussion. It's not a broken bone or whatever. Somebody literally had to be brought to life back on the field. We, and the vice president was saying, we weren't going to have them play again. People saw Joe Burrow throwing passes on the sideline and stuff and just, like, warming up like they were going to play again, but they weren't going to play again, bro. So that's when the, the, I mean, actual, that's the actual NFL executives said no, like, I literally heard the phone call on television from the reporters. Like, the, the vice president said no. I don't know where this notion came from that we were trying to get them to play again, but that's not what it was. Yeah, I was about to say, because that's not what I heard. I heard that they were like, yeah, he would, because I think this is when he left at this time, but DeMar Hamlin was being dr uh, driven to the hospital. And they was like, yeah, we're going to give you guys five to 10 minutes, because obviously this is a late season game. It shouldn't matter at that point. Everybody's thoughts and prayers should be with DeMar Hamlin. But it's being so late in the season, this game being so impactful, I feel like the NFL's thoughts were like, damn, what are we going to do about this game? And then it went to DeMar Hamlin when the coaches had ended up coming together of like, we're not playing this game after our player just seeing something that's traumatizing. And we don't know how what his future is going to be. We don't know whether he's going to live or die at the hospital. Like We can't focus on just this game. And that's when everything came together of like, okay, yeah. The NFL had to do it because the players weren't going to come. So the NFL could say, yeah, y'all got to play. But if the coaches and players say we ain't playing, bro, it's nothing that the NFL could do. So, yeah, y'all can hear phone calls and all that. But I think it was the coaches. That was a story that I heard that it was the coaches that said we not been to play this it was the coaches, but the NFL let the coaches make the decision. That's why the no. My point is, you can't you can't let me make a decision, bro. If the coaches say I'm not playing, it don't matter what the NFL says. What I'm saying, that's what no, I'm saying. The yeah. NFL executives called down to the rep, to the people who are at the um the head officials that were at the game, and then those people talked to the referees, and then the referees went and talked to the coaches and said, "Look, the NFL is leaving it up to you, Zach Taylor, and to you, Sean McDermott." 
what do y'all want to do? And then that's when the coaches said, we're not going to play. Like, people are making it sound like the NFL said, y'all got five, ten minutes to figure out what y'all want to do. And then the coaches were like, no, nah, we ain't playing. Like, that's not how it happened. It had People are saying that just because they said we're not playing, people took that as the NFL was still trying to make them play. And that's not what it was. The NFL just said, look, we're leaving it up to y'all. We understand how traumatic this was, but we want y'all to have the decision. That's why Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott were at the forefront and said, we're not playing. Like, the game the game is just over. So that's, that's what I was saying because when the NFL came out and, like, literally said, no, we didn't, we didn't say that because there's been plenty of times where the NFL has said nothing. Like, NFL executives have said nothing with Tua. With the Tua situation, the NFL mm-hmm. said nothing. So if it was a situation where nobody came out and said we didn't say that, I would see your point. But the fact that NFL executives are like actually calling TV shows and reporters and saying, no, we did not say this. You like, had, somebody- but look, bro, you got to save your own ass in that situation, bro. Because, for example, if the NFL did say you got five to ten minutes to the warm up or five to ten minutes to decide, they'd come out looking like assholes, bro. So they have to save face. They have to save face by calling into all these sports shows and say, no, we didn't say that. No, we didn't say that. When behind closed doors, bro, that could have been the conversation that would be had. We can't just go off face value of what they're saying and just believe like, oh, damn, that's what it was. That's just what it is. Because that's something that I just truly can't believe. This is the business but, model that we're looking at, bro. But I don't think they wanted to do this, this whole scheduling thing that we're seeing right now. Even with the tragic situation that did happen. We, we can't. I understand we can't just totally believe what they're saying but i don't think we could just totally discount what they're saying too does the nfl have a track record most of the time of just not really giving a fuck and still wanting the games to go yes but like we said bro somebody literally basically if he had to get brought to life he basically died on the Mm -hmm. like yeah this is a once like out in a blue moon scenario where the nfl even the nfl has some type of a heart to say look we're we just can't play the rest yeah. of the night like this game has to get postponed and they'll they'll figure out a way to, to reschedule it i know a lot of people are wondering well when is this game gonna pick back up blah 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 during covid they reschedule games out the ass every other week but let's so think I'm about not, this I'm though not bro. Worried about them rescheduling the let's game. think about this because the more hamlin even though he's improving like with his 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 life he's still in critical condition we still don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of days we don't know if it's going to improve or get better knock on wood obviously but what if the team, the Bills, don't want to play next week? That's still a possibility. It's like traumatized or post, like traumatic events just don't go away over the uh, the couple of days. Now, like now that, that shit that lingers with you, bro. That I, shit I can't, lingers. I can't. Like if the, if I the Bengals say, bro, I'm not playing this week, bro. We our hearts are still with Demar. Y'all got to the NFL got to say like, fuck, we can't play this game. They whoever they play, nah, we you, can't you play can't this game, that, bro. bro. You we got play. to, bro. You got to. You just said the NFL got to have a heart. They got to have a heart, bro. For that night. For that still traumatized, If them boys are still traumatized, bro, and if you say the NFL got a heart, and if you say the vice president said all that good shit on them talk shows, if them built boys come out for the bills and say, we don't want to play, we, our hearts still with the ball, we ain't thinking about football, you got to respect it, bro. Make some shit happen. Whatever y'all got to do for the playoffs, make that shit happen, but our mind is still with that man. Unless we hear that he's going to be all cool, cool and stable condition, that's when we play. But if that man's still in critical condition, bro, we ain't think about no game, bro. You you can't do that, bro. Don't it don't matter what you can't do, bro. This is an unprecedented situation. It don't matter what the it, NFL it can't do. But you still it, have it, a job to do. You still literally oh, have a job to do. You just said we've never seen anything like this. This is a brother, yeah. bro. This is a yes. brother. 
that just fell down in front of my eyes, bro. I'm not going to bounce back in a few days and say, oh, I I'm going to play football. Who gives a fuck about a game? Who gives a fuck? I understand that. But we have to understand the situation of this is still a running business. There are still other teams other than the Bills and the Bengals. 20 minutes later. It ain't going to be no two teams off. Two playoff teams are just off for like two weeks. They ain't letting that shit happen. That's games are gonna games are still gonna be played. But like and I said, players, if those games are being played. But that's what I'm saying. If those games are being played, that that tells me something, bro. That's all I'm saying. But like I said, if we hear from the players, and I think that's more so what I'm looking forward to. What are the players saying after this tragedy? You know what I'm saying? Are they still looking forward to a game after this shit just happened? Are they revved up for this shit? Or are they just playing because the NFL is telling them, hey, you gotta play? That's what I'm more so looking at. Because if the NFL just telling y'all boys, hey, y'all got to play, this is the business, and them boys don't want to play, they don't feel this shit. Come on, NFL, I thought you cared about the players. But then it was a business, though. Because okay. I just want people to think about it from, from this perspective. Let's say let's say you went to a job, you went to a 9 to 5, you get, like, three bereavement days. Let's say you have a family member that passes, you get three bereavement days. You use those three bereavement days. Any days you use after that, let's say you even do more. Let's say you do three bereavement days and you do three PTO days. You basically miss like two weeks of work. You get paid for all of it. Use up all your bereavement days. Let's say you even use up all your PTO days. You ain't getting paid for no more days that you miss off. But and your job point, ain't just going to let you keep this at all. It's, a, it's still a business. That's what I'm saying. Still gonna, you're eventually going to. I actually to love that example that you brought up. And it's not going to be on your time no more after you get the little bit of time that you were but able look, to get. But look, this is why I love the example that you brought up. And that I don't think it's the same, though, bro. Because these boys haven't even gotten three bereavement days. These, this is the still regular scheduled programming. So imagine if something tragic happened at your job. Then the next day you got to go back to that job where somebody just almost lost their, or almost lost their life or lost their life. And it's like, damn, well, our traumatized asses have to go back to this position where we just seen somebody pass away. They didn't even get three bereavement days. They had to go back the next day and do what they usually do. Like, nothing happened. That's we what I'm we, saying. That's what's going on right now. Went back to practice the next weekend. But I'm not saying that. They, but they're not getting the bereavement days like you're saying they're getting, bro. This is still regular scheduled week for the Bills where it's a game on Sunday. This is a regular scheduled week. Nothing is changing where it's like, oh, damn, you're getting a week off or you're getting this three days off where you don't, you can't go to practice. It's like, no, this is regular schedule program. You don't think they're going to practice this week? They still going to practice if they're going to play. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They didn't even get that, bro. So it's a crazy situation, bro. It's probably going to go in your direction of they're going to play because, like you said, it's a business. So I see the perspective that you're coming from, bro. I just don't personally agree with this shit, dog. I, I really can't. That shit is just tough for me to see at this moment. And, uh, but moving on to a lighter side, moving on to college football, because that was the biggest sports news of this week with the college football playoff. We had Michigan get upset by TCU in shocking fashion. I feel like Michigan was the overwhelming favorite yeah. for this game. Yeah, that was and wild. TCU really came in and just knocked them in the mouth, punched them in the mouth, got up early on uh, Michigan. Michigan made it a close game at the end, but it felt like TCU was always in control. So, Edgar, what was your instant reaction to what happened? Uh, my instant reaction was I remember the conversation we had uh, last week and I said, although I'm picking Michigan to win, I had Michigan winning the whole thing. I knew Max Duggan was going to have the best game. And I remember telling you this like, bro, win or lose for TCU, we're going to see the best of Max Duggan. And we did. 
But I also got to give TCU a shout out for that defense, bro. Their linebackers and their secondary, them boys went crazy against J.J. McCarthy, and they had that boy looking shook. J.J. McCarthy ain't no scrub, but, man, he was making mistakes like crazy playing against TCU. So Sonny Dykes and them boys, like, he did an excellent job coaching. He did an excellent job containing Michigan. And I, I just feel like TCU has a great chance against Georgia, even if Georgia still wins. I feel at least the game will be entertaining because I don't think this is like how when Cincinnati played, uh, what you call it, Alabama. Like, I don't think it's a situation where, yeah, we got hope with this team, but we know what's going to happen. I damn it can sit here and tell you I don't know what's going to happen with the way TCU playing. Like, I can't sit here and say it's going to be a blowout. Even if I say Georgia win, it ain't going to be no blowout. Because TCU playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they just showed us that one of the best teams in the nation, we ran through them. But and this, we but have this, a chance against Georgia. But this was the thing about TCU, and this is why I think they were so amped for this game. For a month straight, they were being told by reporters, by their coaches, that, hey, Michigan said they're going to run through y'all. Y'all going to let that happen? They were getting amped up for this game. I don't think Georgia's going to go in with that same mindset. I don't think reporters are going to have that same mindset. Georgia is going to say all the right things going into this game, where it's not going to be that that built bulletin board material of like they said this, they said they're going to whoop y'all ass because it was a couple of people from uh, Michigan who said that. I think JJ McCarthy had said something like they were going to run that three three five, we're going to run right through that shit. And I think it was a linebacker from Michigan said something like they were going to dominate them. That was bulletin board material for TCO. Like these niggas really think they're going to run through us. So that was like motivation going into this game of like, we have to prove everybody wrong. It felt like everybody versus TCU. Now TCU feels like the darling, the people's champ now going into this game against Georgia. So even though it's still, it's still, they're still the underdog, it's not that same type of chip like they had going into this Michigan game where they were completely counted out by mostly everybody. bro. But I think Michigan didn't do the one thing that got them there. And that was Ron the ball till the wheels fell off they got down early so i understand that they just had to throw all second half because they got down big but in the first half they tried to be too cute bro the trick plays in the red zone when they had the five yard line trying to run the philly special throwing the ball in the red zone later in the uh, in the second quarter when running the ball got them there i mean on the first play they had a 50 yard run that they didn't even land the game for the rest of that first drive like, they were already going against their identity on the first drive. I know that a Ohio State game gave them a lot of confidence in J.J. McCarthy because it showed that he can throw the ball downfield and he can make big plays. But you got to do what got you there, and they didn't do that consistently. When they did try to run the ball in the second half, I can say that TCU did stand strong. But in the first half, they were on their heels when every time they ran the ball and Michigan wasn't doing it at a consistent rate which had them down by a lot uh, at, at halftime, bro. But uh, that, that was a hell of a game by Max Duggan, so shout out to him, though. But but that's why I got to continue to give TCU's defense a lot of credit for this W because in the second half when Michigan did try to go to the running game, TCU said, no, nah, we've been punching y'all in the mouth with this pass game. Now y'all trying to run the ball, get back to what y'all started the game with? No, nah, let us show you we can stop that, too. So in the second half, when Michigan made the adjustment, TCU made the adjustment too. And I thought that was super smart, and I thought it was very effective because I'm looking like, damn, okay, Michigan finna try and start running the ball now. They might 
edge in this game. And and they did later in um into the fourth quarter when the when the score started getting closer and flipping a little bit. But TCU, you just felt like they controlled the momentum of the game the entire time they, they from start did. to finish. They definitely did. But like I said, in the like in the first ten games of the season, all they did was run the football. Blake Corn was in the Heisman conversation. So a few runs in the second half, that's really nothing compared to what y'all have been doing and what got you here. So I expected to see that all game because TCU can have whatever game plan they have. You guys have the best offensive line. Nobody can stop this run game for a consistent period of time. Y'all will y'all were consistently lean on TCU, and by the end of the game, y'all would have been blowing them out. But y'all were trying to be cute and just throw the ball. Y'all didn't weigh on them. So when the fourth quarter and the third quarter were there, they were still fresh. The linebackers still fresh because they haven't tackled anybody the whole game. You know what I'm saying? And I said last week that the, the TCU's pass defense was good, so they weren't giving up a lot until they started playing zone in the second half. But in the first half, they weren't getting anything up on them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that was just a, a great game plan that ended up – I think Michigan played into that game plan perfectly, but I got to give Sonny Dykes credit. Max Duggan had a hell of a game. Shout out to Quentin Johnston. It was everybody – that was a really team win. I couldn't just say Max Johnson or Max Duggan won them the game. That was a team win. Yeah, yeah. Running back, the quarterback, the wide receiver. I mean, the defense was really the MVP of that game. Yeah. But that was a team win completely. And shout out to TCU for getting to this point. Because I damn sure didn't think they were going to get them. But one thing about TCU, though, if you keep the – and this is going forward to, like, the national championship prediction. Georgia better not let this game hang around, and that's the only thing I'm worried about when it comes to TCU. Because this whole season – TCU has been in nail-biting games and have been pulling games out. And we've seen it at the end of this Michigan game when things started to get a little choppy. Their battles, them being battle-tested and them having that experience, it ended up paying off to come through and get this W. Georgia cannot play around with TCU because if they play around with the fool, TCU going to end up knocking their ass out. So they gotta, Georgia has to knock them out early and show them who's the more dominant team. And I think that is going to happen. Yeah, Georgia has to be physical. Um, the the same way TCU punched Michigan in the mouth, Georgia exactly. had to do the same thing, and and really just come with that SEC bravado and 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 you know that that type of swag on the field as soon as they touch the field. If not, like Quincy said, TCU's gonna stick around. They're gonna get a lead, and when TCU gets a lead, they they hardly let it go. With Michigan, it was like uh, it teeter tottered a little bit closer to the end, but like mm-hmm. I said, you you just knew they were gonna pull through with that. And I, and I think they could do the same with Georgia unless Georgia gets the lead first. And and that's what I think is going to happen. And going back to being battle-tested, I think that was one downfall of Michigan, too. Because think about it, all of Michigan's games, they really weren't tested. It was one game against Illinois that was, like, under 10 points. But every other game that they won previous to that, including that Ohio State game, was a blowout. They were blowing through everybody with the identity that they put of just running the ball. We're just going to dominate you. And then they never had a close game, really. Then when we see them have a close game, they more so were nervous, palms getting sweaty, asses clenching, when TCU was more so prepared for this moment. We've been in this position all year. You know what I'm saying? So we've seen the battle of being battle-tested throughout the season, how much that pays a difference come playoff time of, oh, we're prepared for this moment, where Michigan also was not. Because Michigan had chances. Now, I'm not going to act like Michigan didn't have a chance to win this game. They did, but palms got sweaty toward the end when TCU gave them the chance. And TCU just came through and, and when uh, the opportunity called for it. So 
that was another thing about that matchup as well. So once again, shout out to TCU, bro. And moving on to the other college football playoff game, Georgia versus Ohio State. That was a nail biter. That was the most exciting game, bro. But CJ Stroud put a lot of people on notice. And Edgar, bro, I damn near caught this game to a T. What did I say last week? I said CJ Stroud was going to have his best game of the season, but it wasn't going to be enough. But damn, he damn near won this game by himself. For real. Evan did the shit on him. Didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. for most of the second half. Like, he almost pulled this game out, and he showed things that he didn't show throughout the season with his running ability, throwing off the run. Like, he didn't show that the whole season. But in this last game against uh, uh, Georgia, he pulled out all the stops to get this win. So, damn, shout out to C.J. Stroud. But Georgia was just too much. But Georgia had their lows where I think TCU can take advantage. So, how do you feel about that? Uh, I agree. I feel like. The fact that they stuck around with Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State stuck around with Georgia so much, even though the lack of production outside of C.J. Stroud was so obvious, that's given me more of a of a realization of, damn, TCU might be able to really stick with these boys of Ohio State with only C.J. Stroud for real doing something, sticking around with them. What is TCU going to do if they're clicking on all cylinders? That's the only reason I say it's going to be a game for real. I don't think this is going to be a number one ranked Georgia versus a number three TCU. And it's like, hey, we know we know who's going to win this and it's going to happen handedly. I don't think that's the case. You can predict that Georgia will win, but I think the confidence level isn't as high as a lot of people may think it is. Because I think TCU's defense, I think they're going to have Stetson Bennett shook a little bit. And Stetson Bennett um, did pretty well against Ohio State. And he's been doing well towards the latter part of the season you know, as time went on. So, but I think they're going to have him shook and I think it's going to be defense versus defense. Whose defense is going to be best and make the most big plays is going to be like one or two interceptions is going to be the tell of this game. Yeah. Cause Ben will give you a couple. If you give him the chance, sometimes he does get rattled throughout games. Shit. We even seen it throughout that, that Ohio state game. It was a point where it was like, he felt like he was getting rattled. He ended up coming through, making some huge plays. Because yeah. I think it was that last drive, I was questioning that whole drive of Stetson Bennett had it in him, bro. I ain't even going to lie to you. Even yeah. though he's a national champion, so he's been through it in this position before, I was still like, is he capable of doing it? And that last game-winning drive that he had, that was impressive, bro. And that showed me that he could play in the NFL. More, I was more so questioning it. Is before. he trying to go? Is he I trying think, to go to the I mean, he's already 25 years old. I mean, this that's is- why I was wondering. I was like, damn, he could have went like two years ago, damn. Near. Yeah, but I think I don't think he's going to be a starter, obviously, but I think he can get, be a backup in like that Heineke type of format where the team rallies behind him. You know what I'm saying? Where he just gives the team energy. And I think that's how he is with George, and I think that's something that he can do in the NFL because the poise that he had toward the end of that game showed me a lot. So shout out to Stetson Bennett with that game. But once again, just shout out to C.J. Stroud and Marvis, Marvin, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's, he's, he's one reason why the NFL has to make exceptions every year on who can go to the NFL and not have to be three years in the uh, NCAA. Because he's only a sophomore right now. Like yeah. He doesn't need another year of college. He, he does not know that. He he's ready. He ready right now. He's ready right now. Like I feel like there's certain players that you could just poke out of college football and just put into the NFL, and they're number one. And he is one of them. 
Like, why is he wasting his time playing another year of college? He's already number one. He's already, especially when he's going to go back to college. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Stroud is going to be in the NFL. It's like, he, like his reduction might be a little iffy next year because of the quarterback position. Like, I think he might do the same thing that Jamar Chase did and just sit out and not even go back to Ohio State because he's clearly the best player, or best wide receiver at least, in the, the this class and in the next class. Oh, uh, you you could damn just say player. You could damn say player. And near south, but <laughs> we still got Bryce Young and Will Anderson. But he is up there for sure. Like players in the college football, he might. Yeah, he, he has an argument. He has an argument. He's, he's top five. Like his talent was. His daddy gave him a lot of juice. His daddy definitely <laughs> gave him a lot of juice. Uh, but shout out to Georgia. But moving on to the national uh, championship, you said what you think is going to happen. So what is the the prediction? What is the turnout? I think. It's going to be, and I'll try to give like an actual score with it. I got Georgia winning over TCU. Uh, I say it'll probably be like a 35-28 type of game. Not too high scoring, but enough scoring. 35 Yeah, 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 yeah. Damn. I have, I have this beat at least a 14-point game. I think I think TCU honestly will keep it close in the first. It's not going to be a blowout from the jump because TCU, yeah. like you said, they have confidence. It's not like they haven't been in this position before or being the underdog. So it's going to be close to start out, and people are going to gain confidence at TCU. But then throughout the game, it just becomes way more dominant, leaning towards Georgia's favor. I think they win by two touchdowns pretty handily by the fourth. They just dominated that point. But uh, I think Stetson Bennett gets the MVP. But I think the defense comes through for Georgia way more than what we're thinking right now because TCU has some weapons, though. Uh, Quentin Johnston is going to be the first wide receiver taken in this NFL draft. The running back is a pro. Max Duggan is going to be a pro. They got some elite playmakers on that offensive side of the ball, but I think they will be extremely limited throughout this game. So I actually have a, a pretty low-scoring game. I actually have this 14-28 Georgia. Oh, damn. 14-28. They're only going to get 14, bro. Yeah. Well, the the fact that um you got Georgia staying under 30 points, that's oh, yeah. a lot too. Yeah, exactly. So TCU definitely going to have, it's not going to say it's going to start off close, where it's not going to be like a shootout from the beginning, but throughout the game, we're just going to see the, the dominating Georgia team come out. It's like, oh, at the end of the game. I, I got one of these teams getting 30. I, I highly doubt both teams are going to be under 30 points. So that that's why I say I got Georgia 35, TCU 28. But I think Georgia is playing for something, too. I know everybody is saying TCU's the underdog. This is Sonny Dyke's first year coaching. And your first year coaching, you're getting all the way to the national championship. So TCU going to have recruiting love for the next few years of, of him coaching there. And they're, they're trying to show everybody, look, we, we are a big dog now, too. It ain't just about the SEC and the Big Ten no more. But I think Georgia is playing for something even bigger. I think Georgia is really trying to get into a dynasty mode with Kirby Smart, and I think they have the opportunity. Knocking off Alabama last year, that was that was to put everybody on notice. Like, look, we're not one of the the Georgia teams that everybody's making fun of now. Y'all ain't making fun of us with the the Hawks and the Falcons and blah blah blah. No, like Georgia is here, and like Kirby Smart said at the beginning of the season. We will not be hunted because they asked them, how does it feel now you're the team that everybody's hunting to knock off? We will not be hunted, never at the University of Georgia. And we see the decline with Alabama. It's not a steep decline, 
But we see that the playing field is leveling out and Georgia is getting that edge a little bit to where they're being favored a lot more to be the number one seed in Alabama these past few years. So I think Georgia is chasing a dynasty and they're trying to show everybody we're the team everybody has to be afraid of and run through now, especially yeah. with the way Tennessee played Alabama, Ole Miss played Alabama this year. I get it. It's one year, but it's a year that we're not used to seeing where Alabama got two L's and then even snipped the playoffs and Georgia just cruising through like Alabama usually does. So I think Georgia playing with a big chip too. They ain't playing just to get another chip. They playing because they're trying to get a dynasty. And also going back to that dynasty point, we haven't seen a repeat champion since 2011, 2012, that Alabama team back in those days. Exactly. They'll be the first repeat champion since, for, since uh, 10 years ago. So that's also something to play for because that's something you rarely see, bro. Even though you see the same teams in the college football playoff, feels like mostly every year we always have a different champion. So I think it's dope to see something like that happen for Georgia. And Kirby Smart really wants to prove not only that he can become a dynasty, but that he's on the same level as Nick. Because it's always going to be like, oh, you're going to be little brother. You came up under Nick. Nick, was, you were the assistant coach for Alabama. But I think he wants to get to that level playing field. Because nobody's on that level playing field yet. Even though he's Alabama's our best student. He's the Sanders' best student. Facts. And I think he's an even better recruiter than him, but that's something else. But I think he can get on the same level as him after this ring, bro. Even though he has, even though Nick Saban has more championships now, I think I think smart in terms of right now yeah. is going to be on the same. The, the student is surpassing the math, and that's what we're seeing right now, bro. That's what we're seeing. So that's that's some dope shit from Curry Smart, especially when he was on the hot seat three years ago, bro. You know what I'm saying? And that's the funny thing about him, and even though Harbaugh lost, the funny thing about Harbaugh, Harbaugh was on the hot seat the year before they made it to the playoff last year, and Curry Smart was on the hot seat before it. They ended up making it to the winning the championship last year. So it's like both of those coaches just coming through and getting their teams to the playoff consistently. And with Georgia starting to win consistently, it's like, damn, maybe everybody needs to be on the hot seat to get up this type of success. Because <laughs> I, I definitely, I want to say like three seasons ago, no, two seasons ago, two to three seasons ago, I definitely had Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat because I'm like, bro, when are you going to do it? When are you going to beat Ohio State and make the playoffs? Like, when are you going to win the playoffs? Like, when are you going to do something more than just 10 to 11 wins in a season? And I think that was the monkey on his back that he just really needed to get off. Mm-hmm. And he's done it now the last two years of beating Ohio State one. And now you've made it to the college football playoff. Even though you may not ever get to the national championship or win one, the fact that you had the team in contention and you knocked off the big brother of Ohio State two years in a row, That that's a good enough stamp for Jim Harbaugh to say, hey, I did my job here. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, anything we continue to do after this point, I have nothing else to prove other than just continue staying at this level. I have yeah. nothing else to, outside of winning the championship, of course, I have nothing else to prove as a coach at Michigan. And now we're starting to hear more rumbles of Harbaugh going to the NFL now. I'm hearing that Carolina's calling them. Other teams from the NFL are starting to call him now. And like you said, he's more so satisfied with what he's done because he's living in Michigan in a good space after being Ohio State two years in a row. So even if he does leave, the next coach has a nice little path now of like, he doesn't yeah. feel the instant pressure of just, you have to beat Ohio State because they just did it for the past couple of years. So I think he is leaving. If he does leave, he's leaving Michigan in a good spot. And moving on to the NFL topics, we have the Packers. 
Are they a problem come playoff time? The Packers are on a five-game winning streak, bro, and they're starting to look a little scary. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of, oh, they might do some shit come playoff time, but they did something to Justin Jefferson that nobody has done this really completely shut him down. And that whole bike is open. We know Kirk has his ups and downs. But that's probably the worst I've seen Kirk look, the worst I've seen that offense look. Justin Jefferson couldn't shake. So that defense was impressive. And then that offense just continued to churn. The running game was getting a lot of yards up on Sunday. And also the wide receivers continued to develop with Dobbs and with Christian Watson. So are they a problem come playoff time, bro? Because they're not in the playoffs right now. But I think if they win, they're in. Uh, yeah, I think win on Sunday they're in. So, are they a playoff? No. Are they a problem completely? Uh, I think so. I told you two weeks ago because you was laughing when I said it two weeks ago. I'm like, bro, Packers got a. I was like, bro, the Packers got a chance to get in this shit. Like, and if they get in it, I ain't turning my nose up at a Rod in the playoffs, bro. I don't give a damn because the fact that he made it after such a terrible start, he got some type of motivation churning inside him. I know. I know we like to look at the quarterbacks like um, Mahomes and Brady and whatnot who are so structured and they just got it all together for the most part outside of this year for Brady, of course. But usually we're used to seeing him and quarterbacks like Mahomes just have it all together mentally and everybody's just so structured. And A-Rod is just the carefree of like, hey, we either going to do this shit pretty or ugly. Either way, I'm getting there. And he's doing it right in front of us right now. And I, I think we have to respect them. If if they win um this weekend against the Lions, which I think they will, I think we got to look at them as some type of threat because the NFC is still pretty open, bro. The Cowboys are the Cowboys, always suspect. The 49ers, as much as we want to still trust that whole unit, they still got Brock. I seen some, some holes on Sunday. Yep, go ahead. And the Vikings, you just said the Vikings, we, we have to win. We don't believe in that shit. Yeah, we don't believe And then the Eagles. Even if Jalen Hurts comes back, that's the next topic. Healthy, so it's so many different variables with the NFC to where the Packers. I don't think it'll happen, but they have some type of a possibility to run the table, and I think that's the craziest shit ever that Aaron Rodgers got these boys doing it. I don't Not know if Chris if Chris Watson comes back. Is he coming back for the playoff? He should. God, I don't know the extent of his injury. I don't even know how long he out. He should be back. But yeah, Man, what they're what they're, they're playing what, well without him. Yeah, I was about to say what they're doing right now, and it's because they're very heavily leading on the running game, and this it's really coming back to them. I think they just got an offensive lineman back. Uh, Batiari came back for them this past week, so every they're starting to get healthy at the right time. And like you said, this honestly reminds me of those. Now it don't remind me of the Giants teams, but the type of run they're going on, where they're the hottest team come playoff time. Like that's how those Giants, those Eli Manning Giants teams were. They slid in as the sixth seed, but they were the most dangerous team because they were the hottest. They were playing the best around that time. And even though they had to play on the road for three games to get to a Super Bowl, they ended up making it because they were playing the best out of everybody. And right now, like you just said, other than the 49ers, I still think the 49ers are playing the best. And out of the Vikings, out of the Eagles, out of the, the Cowboys, the Bucks, they're the second best team in the, the NFC with how they're playing right now. So I can't... I, Mm. I, I just don't know. I don't think they're right. I, 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 just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I've seen too much of this Packers team this season. Even though everything is starting to come together, I still think come playoff time, they don't have enough weapons on the outside to get it done. It looks good now, but I think once once people start to realize, hey, 
just stack the box. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, so you still got to respect his arm. But we're not worried about these wide receivers. The wide receivers are going to have to prove something come playoff time, bro. They can do what they want in the, uh, the regular season. They can develop, but they're going to have to really step up to the plate. And that's something that I'm really questioning at this point. I believe in A-Rod. I believe A-Rod can get some wins because we've seen it. We don't know about Super Bowl, but we can definitely see some wins for A-Rod. But the wide receivers are still a question mark for me, bro. So that's why I'm not seeing like, oh, they're going to be a problem. They might do something, though. I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of iffy on it. But then moving on to the next topic, like you said, the Eagles starting to falter without Hurts. And me and Edgar talked about it a couple of weeks ago, bro. Everybody is trying to jump off Jalen Hurts for the MVP train. Everybody's trying to give it to Mahomes at this point. But look how the Eagles look without Jalen Hurts. This is honestly his best case to show why he's the MVP, even though it's going to Mahomes, so we don't even have to talk about the actual discussion. But just him being in the multiple, uh, most valuable player discussion, they don't even look like the same team without him. Even though they did what they did against the Cowboys, it was an exciting game. Mitchell played great. In a dog, in a dog, a dog fight, drag it out type of game against the Saints, them boys didn't have the, the capacity anymore. Jalen Hurts had the boys, you know what I'm saying, a well-oiled machine. None of that shit was working. The defense was getting gas. They couldn't get no big players down the field. The running game wasn't working. The Saints have good defensive pieces for sure. Way better than that. Not way better than the Cowboys. But they have good defensive pieces, but there's no reason the Eagles should have got shut down like that. They damn sure wouldn't have got shut down like that if Hurts was playing. Because like I said last week, the running game is affected when Hurts is not playing. And also the deep plays ability, deep playability, and also the consistency that we've been seeing with Jalen Hurts throughout this season. They are missing him. And we are seeing why he should be top, top two, at least, in the most valuable player discussion, bro. It's clear right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, They're really giving it to Patrick Mahomes because he's going to play the he's been playing the last games of this season. This is not. So Mahomes is continuing to compile on the stats that he already has. And Hurts isn't able to do that. Although we see the value of Hurts not playing, Patrick Mahomes is, and he's getting he's growing his stats. And he's and I, I, let me not just say Patrick Mahomes, because he is doing his thing now. Yeah, we had a lot of questions about the Chiefs coming into the season all well, no Tyreek Hill. You only got Travis Kelsey. Can he develop and work with these wide receivers? He is making shit shake. They're starting to incorporate Tony more into the offense. So it's no shade to Mahomes because he's having a great season. But it was just so many people shitting on Hurts of saying, like, oh, any quarterback could play in this offense. They got so much talent. Oh, they could win like with anybody. Parsons. Exactly. Everybody was saying that type of shit. And when they don't have Hurts, they don't even look like the same team anymore. So all of that bullshit y'all were talking about, the Eagles can win with anybody. Obviously, they cannot. <laughs> Obviously, they need their QB. So that's the that's my point that I was trying to make with that. Yeah, I, I think he should be the MVP. Um, but when it comes to clinching the number one seed, I I don't think they can because I think if, uh, if the Cowboys win, then it's going to have to be a couple things that go their way for them to just completely fall off from the number one seed. Because yeah. I think outside of the Cowboys, nobody else is even playing for the number one seed. I think the 49ers are still playing for it, but it's a couple of things I think have uh, to happen for the 49ers to get it. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. It, it would have to be a lot of scenarios in the NFC for this last week for the Eagles to just completely fall out of number one. Plus, yeah. I think if they win, they just shut every other probability down anyway. Don't they play the Cowboys this week? I don't know. Sure. Nah. No. They play the Giants. Oh, they play the Giants. Yeah, they play the Giants. Oh, okay. 
And I, I think that's a dub for them. Because aren't the Giants resting players? The Giants already clinched the playoffs by I would I would be surprised if the Giants even play all their players. I probably would too. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I'll be yeah. So that should be a dub for the Eagles. Don't want to speak too soon. Uh, but I would play Hurts just so he can have that rhythm going into the playoffs. Get uh, so I don't even know if he's practiced yet this week. Shit, Wednesday, damn near Oakland. I don't even know if he practices. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he needs to be back, though, because I don't want to see him first time in three, four weeks. In the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you got to have some type of rhythm with your team. Because he don't even got to start. He don't even need to start this week. I just to get see him on reps, the field. Bro. Yeah, he got to get yeah. some reps, though, bro. You got to get some reps. Because there's no way you're going to come back in four weeks in the playoffs and everything just going to be snapping for you. Actually, it's going to be five weeks, because if y'all get a bye week, y'all going to get an extra week. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> ain't no way. You're going to be rusty as hell that first game. And that's what we And they're not going to give an excuse. They're not going to no, give an they're excuse. They're not going to. Because we're already going to see that with the number one seeds anyway. Even if you're playing all the way throughout the season, that week in between, those number one seeds always come back rusty. So if you are off five weeks and then you play the playoffs, that shit ain't going to be the same. We're going to see a different Jalen Hurts than what we've seen the whole season. So hopefully he plays today and get his rhythm back or some sort of rhythm back before that week off, before the bye, and then uh, the playoffs. But, yeah, everything is pretty much set if they do win, if the Eagles do yeah. win. If you got the Cowboys, or they're at fifth. You got the 49ers at second. You got the Vikings third. And you got the Bucks at fourth. Obviously, you got the Giants. And then we still got a dog fight at the end of the for the seventh seed between the Packers and the uh, I think the Commanders just got eliminated. Who else was it? It was the Commanders. The Lions. The Lions didn't have it. That was the Lions. It was the Lions and the Packers. With the Seahawks and the Rams playing, I think if the Seahawks lose, I think the Lions get in. Because the Lions and the Packers play each other, so whoever wins that game. But the Seahawks still have to lose. I believe so. I think for both of these... But both of the Lions and the Packers, the Seahawks have to lose because currently the Seahawks are in seventh and all three teams are eight and eight. So the Seahawks do have an advantage at this point. Oh, no. I listened to my man at, on NBC on Sunday night. He said since the Packers are playing in a conference game, if the Seahawks and the, the Packers are both nine and eight, the Packers will get the advantage because they have more conference mm-hmm. wins. So even if the Seahawks win... If the Packers win, they're in. If the Seahawks need the Packers to lose, and they need to win, and the Lions need to beat the Packers, and they need the Seahawks to lose. So that's the situation. The Packers have the advantage over all of these teams. They have the tiebreaker, basically, and the Seahawks need the Packers to lose if they want to get in. Because so that's the situation in the NFC. And the AFC, obviously, we got that situation. We honestly don't know. Like Edgar was talking about before, the rescheduling of games. We don't know how that situation is going to play out. We don't know when the rescheduled game is going to be because it's so impactful because it's at the top of the AFC because you got uh, Chiefs 12-4 and four, or they got the Chiefs 12-3, and 13-3. You got the Bills 12-3 and three, and then you got the Bengals 11-4. and four. So at this moment, you have the Chiefs at number one. So we still have to see these last two games play out for the Bills and the Bengals to see who's going to be number one. But for the rest of the seedings, it's pretty much solidified. The Chargers had a fifth seed. Ravens had a sixth seed. And uh, the Jaguars, even though it's not solidified, they play the Titans this week. And the Titans don't have any quarterback, so I'm pretty sure that the Jaguars I was about to say, we're, we're assuming they're going to get them. Yeah, we're assuming the Jaguars are going to win and make the playoffs, but it's still up in the air. 
if they don't win, that means the Titans get the fourth. Damn. The <laughs> rosterless Titans. If the rosterless Titans get the fourth seed, that's wild. Now that is wild. Wow. That's wild. Damn. There's no reason that they should let Josh Jobs or Malik Willis beat them. There's no way you can let them niggas beat you. Huh? The Jaguars should dominate this game. And then they, the se- they play competitive against the Cowboys, so shit. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And then uh well, the seventh seed, we got a fight between the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers. The Patriots have the advantage over everybody at this moment. But I talked about it a little bit last week, bro. The fact that Tomlin has these boys 8-8 eight and eight and is about to have another season where he's potentially going to have another above 500 season. With this team, with this rookie quarterback, with this, uh, I'm impressed, bro. I'm impressed by what Tomlin is doing. I know everybody really just tries to brush him off. But this is impressive what he's doing, and we've never seen anything yeah. like this happen before, bro. So shout out to Mike Tomlin for the job he's doing at Pittsburgh, y'all. And he never gets the credit he deserves. And shout out to the Pittsburgh Steelers for just always getting the coaches right. They have the fewest head coaches in league, bro. I think it's only been what four, and Mike Tomlin yeah. is like the fourth. Damn, yeah. probably the third. I, I could be given an extra number. Either the third or fourth coach in team history, not. Yeah. Team history in the last 10, 15 years. Team history. Yeah, team history. The Steelers yeah. have been playing. Yeah. And I think people are understanding like how how legendary that is. And this is a black coach on top of that. Like, so we we really got to give our our um our hats off to to Mike Tomlin. I had this conversation with Quincy, I think, off of the pod when uh over the weekend, and I was saying, um, not even over the weekend on Monday, I was saying that Mike Tomlin. He can compete with Belichick. When we talk about some of the best coaches of all time, Quincy told Please me. Tell this man to relax. Tell this man to relax. Fine, because I, I him, said. You can give him his flowers without and going out and go. Nah. I said, take away. And of course, everybody says, take away the chips. Like, the chips don't matter. Who they <laughs> but, uh, but take away the championships and just look at who's the best coach for real. Mike Tomlin at least got an argument, bro. Even if we say, nah, it's still Bill. And then I can't argue with nobody that say, no, nah, Mike Tomlin got it. I, I can't argue with that. We got it. We have to see more high-level success from Tomlin, bro. Because that's the thing that everybody always goes back to. Even though he has these 8-8, eight and 9-8 eight, and eight seasons, it's like, bro, when is the last time you've been to a ship for real? You know what I'm saying? That's what always comes. That's the, that's the criticism of Tomlin. So we have to see more high-level success. When was the last time his quarterback room was what it needed to be? Especially in his division. Since I mean, but, I mean, since but Martin, remember when uh, the Triple B's was there, though? Remember when Triple B's was there? When it yeah. was Le- Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger? Those are the teams but, that people but, always go back to. Well, your time that was, was, your ben time was, was there. Decline. That huh? boy, Ben. We knew Ben was. Ben was still getting loose, though, when Antonio Brown was still there. Ben he was, was getting loose because Antonio Brown was there. Yeah. And Le'Veon Bell, that was the only reason Ben But I'm saying, he, you still had a – Ben Rothstein was still putting up numbers. I think he still made a Pro Bowl during that time, too. So, yeah. whether that you could criticize Ben Rothstein, because I'm on you. I'm, I'm riding with you. I don't fuck with Ben anyway, so I don't even want to stick up for him. But Ben was still putting up numbers at that time. So it's like, why didn't you win during that era of Pittsburgh still of football always comes right. back to the criticism. And everybody always talks about with Belichick. You have Brady this whole time. But I think these last couple of years that we've seen from Belichick has been his best coaching job. Doing what he's done, making the playoffs with this quarterback, Matt Jones. And Matt Jones, honestly, has had a slump this year. He hasn't even looked that good. And there's still— His first year, Belichick had him looking good. He had him looking good. Top 15. 
Yeah, and then Josh McDaniels ended up leaving, so you lost your offensive coordinator, and you're still eight and eight, potentially going to make the playoffs again <laughs> with with this backup quarterback. Because what do we always talk about it, bro? When we pick pick the Patriots, we don't pick the Patriots because we know who the players are. At all, we we'll pick the Patriots because of Bill Belichick. That is it. <laughs> that is it. Because we just believe Bill will find. Hey, if, if I pick the Steelers <laughs> at this point, I'll pick it up because of Tomlin. I ain't picking them. Definitely not because of trash ass Mr. Trubisky, <laughs> and not because of Kenny Pickett. And yep. Kenny Pickett looking like he ain't got that much promise in him. Because with certain young quarterbacks, you either see, uh, he he got some potential, or nah, he probably could. And yeah, Pickett he is solid. Leaning, he don't look like nothing. He leaning towards that he might be more so cooked than. Um, <laughs> I would oh, tell that now. It, remain, it remains to be seen. He's not crazy. It remains to be seen. Yeah, he's just not crazy. Yeah, he don't jump off the page. But yeah, that's the thing about Belichick, and I, I agree with your point on Tom. But Tom, but Belichick just has the high level of success, bro. No matter what anybody says, you got the high level of success, and then you got these two years where it's like, damn, this has been your best two years of coaching, really. When you don't have the goat playing quarterback, you still making shit shape like this. Damn. Okay, Belichick. And uh, moving on, we got the NFL Week 18 preview. So we got some big games this week. Obviously, some playoff clinching games. Yeah. Uh. Some games of the week. I know for sure we got the the Packers and the Lions for this week. But what are the games that we have for this week? Uh, the, the, the Bengals and Ravens. Uh, Jets versus uh, Dolphins is going to be a good game because I think they still they, somebody has to win to stay in the playoff contention. I'm not sure if Lamar is coming back for this last game. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't even know if that's going to be a good game. Um, what else? What else? Not really, because a lot of I think the Giants aren't gonna. I think they're gonna sit their starters this week, so I don't think that Giants Eagles game is gonna be that great. Yeah, the, uh, these are all division games, so yeah. a lot of these division matchups are pretty trash for the most part. So. Basically, so it's, yeah, it's nothing that jumps off the page really. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> Obviously, we got the Titans versus Jaguars game. That that's a playoff spot on the line. But like I said, I think the Jaguars dominate that matchup. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, it's not really because the Bucks gonna sit their players too because they are already clutched the playoff spot. I don't know. That's been a conversation this whole week because that boy Brady said he playing. Brady, Brady said he playing. Why is he playing? <laughs> Why is he He's playing? Like, he playing, bro? Because a lot of people been saying, um, not not even just a lot of people, but even the the actual roster and some of the coaches, they've been saying they've they've caught a rhythm now, and they want to be as ready as possible. For um for the playoffs, especially since they know they'll have home field advantage, you know at least for the first game, you know so they um they really want to keep the groove that they have going. They don't want to sit players this week and then expect players with damn near a whole week plus off of just getting out there and playing playoff football. And, hey, if you don't win, you gotta go home. Like I think they're sucking it up now. Of like, hey y'all, we done sucked all year. We really don't even deserve to have players sit. Like, we really need to treat every game. I think from this point forward, the Bucks are treating this like, hey, we're in the playoffs. Like, we just got to play. Yeah. Especially with people coming back healthy and stuff. I think Carlton Davis is still out. So mm -hmm. he most likely won't play. But and that's what I was going to say. I think the rest of those starters going to play too. But that's what I was going to say about Brady can play and the wide receivers. And I think even Rashad White can play. But I think yeah. people like Fournette, I think the defense, I think, needs to take a break, though. Because it's even even if they haven't been looking the best this season, 
pounding through a 16, 17 game season is crazy. And if you can get a week off, a week rest before you got to go up against somebody like the Cowboys, who you know is going to run right at you in that game, I think the defense, some defensive starters should sit. Like Devin White, I think should sit. Levante David has had a hell of a season. I think David should sit. Maybe the cornerbacks play so they can continue to keep their rhythm. But I think the key starters do sit on defense, even though Brady and Arden will play. I think Tristan Wurst needs to sit. I um I heard some reports that he kind of forced himself to play against the Panthers. And I, I think a lot of players forced themselves to play that week just because we needed to win that game. If we wanted our season to keep moving forward, we needed to win. So I think Tristan Wurst, he was ready enough to put a uniform on and play, but I don't know if he was like ready to play high level the entire game. So he did kind of force himself back out there. I wouldn't be mad if Tristan Wurst sat this week because it, it really doesn't matter. But I, I wouldn't be surprised that they play either. I, I really think it's up in the air. I don't know who's playing and who's going to sit. I really don't. Once Brady said, hey, I'm playing, I'm like, well, damn, damn it, the whole roster going to play if this nigga playing. <laughs> yeah. And let's move forward to the picks of the week for this week. Like, like Edgar talked about, it's pretty dry, but we this is the last week. I didn't even calculate the wins and losses for last week, but I know I'm not winning the, the pick of <laughs> this information. Yeah, I, I ain't winning. <laughs> yeah, I think Taz is currently the leader. He was up by... A good amount of games, so I'm pretty sure he's gonna win. But I still gotta tally up the wins from last week. He he would have to lose every a lot. Yeah, lose a lot for sure. He would have to lose everything. I would have to win everything, and that's <laughs> damn near impossible at this point. So, <laughs> all right. And the first game of the week, we got the Chiefs versus the Raiders, 4:30 on Saturday. Uh, Chiefs. Yeah, I got the Chiefs. The Raiders had a pretty good game, but I'm tired of talking about the Raiders. Fuck them. All right, Titans versus the Jaguars. Uh, Jags. Yeah, I got the Jags. Six-point spread, though, so they got this game a little closer than I would expect, especially with the quarterback play that I seen from Dobbs last week. So, hey, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Brown versus Steelers. Two-and-a-half-point spread on Bovada. So this has playoff implications for the Steelers. I think the Browns are currently out of playoff contention. But the Browns can play spoiler, and they do have Deshaun Watson now, and they caught a little bit of a rhythm last week uh, playing against the Commanders, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. it could be a good W to get uh, before the season ends. What you got? Uh, I got the Steelers. I think they'll they'll find a way to try and fight for that playoff spot. I got the Browns, bro. I have the Browns this week. I think they play spoiler for the Steelers. I think Deshaun has a big game. Deshaun honestly hasn't had a big game this season. But I think to end this season off, I guess a good Pittsburgh defense, that he's going to put everybody on notice of, like, this is why I'm going to come back next season and be one of the best in the NFL. I think he has a big game. I got the Browns. Bucks versus Falcons? Uh, I got the Bucks. I got the Bucks. I don't know who we got playing, but I got yeah. the Bucks. <laughs> That's the thing, bro. Even though Brady playing, I don't know who else playing. And I think the Falcons could be slightly motivated. Ritter had a pretty nice game last week so I'll go with the Falcons fuck it I'm, I lost anyway I'll go with the Falcons <laughs> I lost anyway and you can all play right. how you want exactly. <laughs> I can pick that one <laughs> alright uh, Jets versus Dolphins uh, give me the Jets and this is a one point spread on Bavada too like I talked about earlier Jets versus Dolphins have a lot of playoff implications if the Patriots end up losing to the Bills both of the one of these teams can end up sliding into that playoff spot potentially. 
the the Dolphins if they end up playing this game. But the Dolphins, we don't know who's going to be quarterback because Teddy broke his finger. Two are still going to be out with a concussion. So now they got to deal with Skylar Thompson. You know what I'm saying? So there he, he might even have him like two finger. <laughs> oh, he's a uh, Chip Skylark. That's what that nigga sound like. <laughs> but uh, I got the. I got the Jets. I got the Jets winning this one. Panthers versus Saints. Uh, Saints. Yeah, I got the Saints. Patriots versus Bills. Uh, Bills. Yeah, I got the Bills. Ravens versus Bengals. Uh, Bengals. Yeah, I got the Bengals. Texas versus Colts. Texas. Hey, Jeff Saturday, I hope you enjoy your last game in the NFL. This shit is it, buddy. <laughs> this shit is it. <laughs> All right. I got you winning your last. I actually play the Texas. The Texans going to I was about to say the Texans are going to get the dub. Texas is going to get the dub. So it's going to be a good fuck you for Jeff Saturday. So I got the <laughs> All right. Uh, Vikings versus Bears. <laughs> Vikings. Yeah, I got the Vikings. No fields. Uh, Cardinals versus 49ers. 49ers. Yep, got the 49ers. Chargers versus Broncos. Uh, Chargers. The char the Broncos are a two and a half point spread on Bovada. The Chargers might be sitting players, and that's probably why Broncos are favored. That's the Chargers. Oh. <laughs> I go I know because he Russell Wilson been looking. <laughs> but I'll go to I'll go to Broncos. I'll go to Broncos. Uh, Cowboys versus Commanders. Cowboys. Yeah, I got the Cowboys. Giants versus Eagles. Eagles. Yep, I got the Eagles. Rams versus Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks. I got the Seahawks because they planned for something. That was kind of tough. Lions versus Packers Sunday night football. I got the Packers. I got the Lions winning this game, bro. We gonna really see if Jair Alexander can back up all that shit he was talking this week, bro. Because it's not like he's had the best season, but he did his thing against Justin Jefferson. But that nigga after the game was talking big shit, saying he was one of the best corners in the league, this, that, the third. Though the Lions got some dogs at wide receiver. Yo ass better not let them boys get loose because they do have the best pass offense in the NFL. Hey, he talked that shit before they played the Vikings, and as soon as the game was over, he kept talking shit, so I can't say nothing. That boy Zaire Alexander said, I can't believe y'all let that man fool y'all with that fluke-ass game. Like, he said Justin Jefferson game against them when they played earlier this season, oh. when Jefferson was going crazy, he said, oh, that was a fluke. Like, I can't believe y'all let him fool y'all like that. And then you go out there and lock this man up the whole game? I was like, Jair Cole, bro. That man said that game was a fluke. Like, he he tried to show y'all he the best receiver. Watch this. Hands <laughs> <Man> down. <laughs> so I got to give I gotta give Jair his props. I got to give him his props. Now, he definitely one of the better, the best corners in the league, though. So definitely shout out to Jair. So we're going to see if he can stand yeah, up and win the Lions. When you play with the Packers on Madden, Jair come clutch every time. Every time. He really act like a honey badger. Yeah, but the past few years, oh man, Jair Alexander been like that, and that's why that's why I say this season he hasn't had the best season, but he's starting to get hot at the right time. Just like this team, he's starting to wrap up his game too. And that, that obviously the epitome of that was this game against Justin Jefferson. But yeah, I got the I got the Lions, bro. I actually got the Lions in this this matchup. 
Actually, after the Lions making the playoffs, too. I, I think they're a better team. I think they're a, a they more fun team. The Seahawks win. Oh, damn, that's right. You already picked the Seahawks. Well, <laughs> if the Seahawks win, the Lions is playing football. <laughs> and it's funny because the Seahawks play before the Lions. Yeah. So they need the Rams to win. I changed my pick. I go with the Rams. <laughs> I, I go with the Rams to beat the Seahawks. And I got the Lions beating the Packers. They're, they're, the Seahawks <laughs> has got to move out of the way. The Seahawks has got to move out of the way. Like I said, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm not, I, I, I lost. Beep. So it was some people saying they were shocked that they put the Lions and Packers game right after the um the Rams. And it should have been Trump. before. It should have been before or at the yeah. same time. At the same that time. Way, that way the Lions ain't just sitting there like, damn, we ain't in the playoffs. They ain't even focused on the game. Scrolling their damn. phone. <laughs> they all watching the game like, damn, do we, do we really want to play for real? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's gonna be an interesting game for sure, bro. Definitely gonna be an interesting game. Let's see how it plays out. But and they y'all... can still play upset though, because if they oh, beat sure. the Packers, that means the Seahawks did. So, yep. so even if the Lions lose, they'd be like, "Hey, we can ruin somebody else." They, <laughs> yeah, especially when it's your rival too. You gotta kill these niggas. <laughs> Definitely gotta kill this shit. All right, moving on to the NBA topics. We have the NBA is wide open. I know we talk about this a lot with the NFL. But I think it is the same way with the NBA, bro. We're seeing a whole lot of talent across the league, and we're seeing no dominant team really stick out above the rest. We talked about it in the Western Conference with Zion. We got John sitting at the top. We got uh, Jokic sitting at the top of the Western Conference. All of them boys hungry, and then you still got teams like Golden State, Kawhi. You still got to handle those teams. And then in the Eastern Conference, you got the Nets being the hottest team in the NBA. Look at scary playing like the best defense in the NBA at this point. You got the Celtics starting to slide a little bit. And since December 1st, they have been 8-8. Eight and eight. So they're not the same team that started off like 21-4 and four at the beginning of the season. They're starting to slide a little bit. I don't know if it's a mid-season low or if, the, uh, if everybody is starting to catch up to them. Giannis, the one thing I'll say about the Bucs, they still haven't been completely healthy this year. But Giannis has still been playing at a dominant level. But they haven't been looking as dominant as they have been in past years. And then we got the hungry teams like the Cavs and the 76ers in there. I don't know if they're championship contenders, but they're there. But everything just looks wide open. It's no, it's no favorites. It's nobody I can just say, yeah, it's going to be them and them in the playoffs. Like at the beginning of the season, I think I said, yeah, it's going to be the Celtics and the, uh, the Warriors again. But right now, it's like, damn, I can't tell you it's going to be the Celtics and the Warriors by championship time. Because I really think the Western Conference, a hungry team, is going to come out of the Western Conference. Whether it's the Nuggets, the, the Pelicans, uh, it's a hungry team is coming out of the West, bro. I don't think it's going to be the Kawhis and the Warriors, the proven champions. I think this is the year of the hungry this year. Bro. Hey, if Kawhi was working a regular 9-5, that man would be fired by now, bro. That what do you mean? Not work. Kawhi been looking pretty good in the last few games. I've been watching it. That nigga been looking good. He just don't play every game. That's the only thing. He been looking straight. You fired by that. They definitely get a nigga a lot of PTO right for sure. They definitely get a lot of PTO. Boy, PTO in the NBA. I would love it. Yeah, so y'all niggas like he asked for that with mental health days. This is basically his mental health days. Yeah. <laughs> but how you feel about that shit, though? Do you feel like the NBA is wide open, or do you still think there's definitive teams at the top? 
Uh, I agree. I think it's wide open, Um, especially because right now we got teams like the Kings sitting at five. I don't think the Kings are going to do anything, but the fact that the Kings are a top five team in the in the NBA right now, not in the NBA, but in the Western Conference right now, is, is kind of wild. Uh, I believe the Kings. <laughs> in the East, like you said, the Bucks are sliding. They're really just putting all their hopes on Giannis at this point due to health um, reasons. But I picked the Sixers to make it out of the East this year. They've been teeter-tottering between five and seven the entire season. I don't know what they're going to be. The Celtics been on a downward slope. And the Nets are just breathing past everybody with like a 12-13 game win streak, you know, so it, or at least 13 out of the last 14 games, 12 of those being in a row. So I don't know. It is really it really is up in the air. Um, I think we could still pick who our favorites would be, although the seating in, in both conferences may be a little jumbled. I don't think it's crazy for you to still have the Pelicans as your favorite. I know Zion is injured at the moment, but I, I don't think they're crazy. my favorite, but I think a hungry team is going to pull it out. Though. Yeah. And I really, I'm starting to look at the Nuggets more and more as that because I'm starting to like how DeJounte, not DeJounte, but how Jamal Murray is looking. If Jamal Murray gets back to that point of bubble Jamal, that bubble. They are getting to the finals this year. This is going to be the year. Jokic is on another MVP run. That's cool. Jamal Murray is the X factor. If he plays like that, where he dominates like that, he showed glimpses this year. And I think by playoff time, he's going to be back to that. That's why I think this is the year of the hunger, bro. They're hungry for it. Now I think they're going to get it. Yeah, I, I don't think that's too crazy to say. Um, I like Luca. I mean, Luca been going crazy. Obviously, they had a 60-point triple-double. They're fourth in the Western Conference. I mean, it's wide open, bro. It's wide open right now. It is. But hey, you still got those. What a lot of fans, this is what a lot of fans ask for. They ask for it to be so unpredictable and <laughs> wide open. Here y'all go. So, no, it ain't no dynasty right now. Like, it, dynasty is up in smoke at this point right now. <laughs> right now, that's the crazy thing. But I, Golden, I think Golden State will still be there, buddy. They will, they'll still be there. I think they'll still Good. be like the conference. What are they right now? They're eighth right now. But that's the thing with the Western Conference. Everything is so close. So, like, a, a, a couple-game winning streak, they're going to be in fifth. They ain't going to, like, a six-game win streak and be back in the top five. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of jumbled in the in the Western Conference right now. I think the, the Lakers are still at, like, 14th, and they're only, like, four or five games back in, like, the fifth yeah. seed. It's some crazy shit like that. So, it's still so jumbled. Are... The Lakers are 13, and they are four games behind the fifth seed and, yeah. and six, six games behind the fourth seed. That's what I'm saying. It's so jumbled right now where it's like a couple-game winning streak. You can be in a, a completely different position. So, obviously, it's early in the season, but right now, I think it's going to be the year of the hunger. Bro. I think the Warriors will be there. I'm not that big of on the Clippers, even though Kawhi has looked like he's going to be back. I just think there's other teams right now, bro, that, that look good. But the thing about the Pelicans, bro, the health thing and that's the biggest issue and we're going to continue to say that when it comes about zion he has a hamstring strain he's going to be out for a couple of weeks with that or i think was it a couple of weeks over the month, or a month uh three weeks minimum yeah three weeks minimum with that like that's a big injury i mean brandon ingram hasn't played for the past month and a half two months because of this toe injury now you got cj mccullough so now they gotta uh stay above water with those their two stars out now you don't know how they can fall so that's what i mean it's like it's such a variation, you know what I'm saying? The Steph Curry goes out, and the Warriors start to win more games. Like, you don't know what to predict with the the, the teams in the NBA no more, bro. 
it's all over the place right now. It's, man, this shit is crazy. It's good. It's a good time to be a fan, though, because going to these performances that we've been seeing, Donovan Mitchell had 71 points this week. Crazy. Yeah. And he didn't just have 71. He had 71, 11 assists, and eight boards. They, they don't want to bring up that 11 hey, assists because that shit crazy. He almost, he almost topped Luka because if he would have got two more on rebounds, Hey, we would have been talking about a 70 points from this That Lucas yes, talk would have went out of the water so quick. That shit would have been so funny. Damn, but like the t- the talent that we're seeing, like you brought up Luca, the 60 point triple double. Clay had 54 this past week. Giannis had 50 this past week. And I wanted to ask you, bro, is the talent at an all time high or is defense at an all time low? Because we're seeing points like we've never seen before. But at the same time, the skill level is just different where you can be playing defense on somebody, but they're just a great offensive player, bro. And that's what we could be looking at. Uh, To answer the question, I think it's both. Talent Mm. is at an all-time high, higher than it's ever been. And, excuse me, defense is at an all-time low. This is probably the worst defense has looked in the NBA, like, ever. Like, I think, who, who scored 150 the other night? Um... Oh, OKC, OKC. OKC scored 150 (laughs) points on the Boston Celtics, bro. The Celtics, Mm -hmm. a great defensive team. I think Robert Williams was playing too. Like, this this isn't making sense. And and Shane didn't even play. Shane wasn't even playing. Shane wasn't playing. Tatum and Robert Williams were playing. And you get 150 put on you? Like, that, that that has to go into the whole concept of defense is not a thing anymore in the NBA and the NBA has been pushing this for people want more high scoring games people want more threes people want more um box office type plays and players so I don't think I don't think saying defense is at an all-time low diminishes the fact that it's a lot more skilled individuals but we have to call a spade a spade with this I personally I miss the older, not the older days, because I didn't watch back then of like the 80s and 90s, but I've told you several times before, I think the early 2000s had it perfect, bro. It was just physical enough, but there were enough rules to where people could really show their skills and not just get clotheslined every time they went to the basket. Like, mm-hmm. I think the early 2000s rules were the best. That's why, honestly, if I ever have a talk about players from different generations of who could beat who, I'm thinking we're early 2000s rules where we can hand check, where I could put my body up on you, where I could swipe at you a little bit while you're going to a layup, but not everything is a foul. And I'm not trying to maliciously like hit you either on some mm-hmm. piston shit. So I, I think defense is at an all time low. 50 points is the new 30, bro. You have a 38 and 9 night, nobody gives a damn. If you ain't getting 50 or higher, nobody cares, bro. People looking at you like, all you got was 30. 30 is not enough. That's an excellent point, bro. That is an excellent point because these players, I mean, nobody, it felt like nobody was talking about Donovan Mitchell and he dropped 70, bro. Like niggas look at 70 like, damn, like Luka just had 60 last week. That niggas well, probably he, that he did drop 70 the same night the DeMar Hamlet situation. That's true. That's true. So I get it. And that's crazy how that happened because it showed you how somebody, the highs and lows of life, honestly. Yeah. It's like somebody can have the greatest moment of their career, their life, basically. And then somebody is like, Almost like tragically passing. But yeah, obviously that situation happened. But even after the fact, like nobody has talked about the 70 points that he dropped. 
I mean, Luca's dropped his 60. That's the only time he's going to get attention because that 30-point triple-double shit looks too easy. Nobody huh? cares. Bro. That shit looks too easy. Clay dropping 54 was something that we don't see often because he, obviously he plays with Steph Curry. So that was impressive. And Giannis dropping 50, like you said. It's just like, okay, moving on to the next game. Braun turned 38 last week and dropped a 40-point, damn near 40-point triple-double on his birthday at 38 years old. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Like, nobody said anything at the football. Niggas said something like, for Brondo. Niggas said something for Brondo. Like, if it wasn't his birthday, niggas, if, it, if it wasn't his birthday, niggas wasn't That's what I'm saying. It was his birthday. And he was playing in front of Savannah and his mom. So, you know, mm -hmm. just the, the picture moment and the highlight moment of it all. Yeah, mm -hmm. people said stuff then. But I promise if it wasn't his birthday. Like, today is the first crazy game he'd have had this season. Brondo went on a stretch where he was getting, like, 30-something a night. And nobody, even then, nobody said anything. So it was like, damn, he just scored 30 like eight nights in a row? Yeah, now we got to talk about it. Because if it was just two nights, nobody cares. 20, 30 years ago, bro, when Jordan was getting 30 points a game, that was news. Like, that was like, bro. But that's, this 30? is the thing about Jordan, and this is why I, I lean more so in the, uh, in the favor of the talent is at an all-time high. Because when Jordan was going crazy like that, it felt like Jordan was the only nigga and then everybody else. What it feels like now, it's like 10 niggas that you can put in that conversation of like, exactly. yeah, they could be in that conversation of like one of the best in the world. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just one person you're looking at over everybody like Jordan was in his era. It's like multiple niggas that could put up crazy nights like Giannis, like Luca, like Donovan Mitchell, like John Moran. Like all of these players could put up these crazy nights, bro. So it's not just one person that's putting up these crazy nights like it was back then. It was more so few and far between. Jordan was consistent with the big games, and it was few and far between for everybody else. But now in this era, everybody is going crazy on every team. Trey is putting up 40 and 10 or some one day. Then you got Donovan Mitchell going crazy. It's just talent everywhere where it kind of feels saturated. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just so much talent. Where... Go ahead. When I, scroll, when I scroll past this shit on my phone, I'd be like, damn, you know, drop 55. Damn. Clay drops such and such. Like, I, I don't get excited when I see it anymore. But this is what y'all wanted, though. Y'all y'all didn't want y'all didn't want dynasties. Y'all wanted more talent. Y'all wanted the young teams. And this is what we get. We get every that's a, that's, that's a good thing to me now because we get the parody of it. We don't know what's going to come out of it all. But still, it feels so saturated because everybody's so good. It's not that one team that you could look at and be like, damn, they all got no Damn, they all got nobody who's capable of dropping 50. I see Sadiq Bay. For the Detroit Pistons dropped 50 points last year. <laughs> Y'all probably don't even know who that nigga is. But I've seen him drop 50 points in a game last year. Right, so you just can't say these niggas can't put on buckets. Everybody on every team can get buckets at a high level, bro, that it feels saturated. Which means the talent is at an all-time high. I think people are still playing defense bro, at a high level. But the talent, with this talent, it just doesn't matter, bro. It doesn't matter what type of defense. We're, we're seeing zone at an all-time level now. A Spoh brought that back to the NBA. We're seeing 2-3 zone now. But that shit doesn't matter. They're trying to change up because of the skill level. But their players are so skilled. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you want. The niggas are still going to get their buckets off, bro. So the skill is just at an all-time level, dog. This shit's crazy. Uh, and it's not going down anytime soon. <laughs> I told y'all here first, 50 is the new 30. And I agree man, with that point. That's a good is. point, bro. That's really a good point. Because 30 points really feel like nothing. Man. That shit feel yeah, like it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> like.
shit, the 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 bench guy is getting thirty at this point. Like, damn, like <laughs> that shit is crazy, bro. And thirty thirty ain't winning you no game either. Like, let's just put that in the context. Like, you had to drop sixty to win a game. You had to drop sixty to win a game, yeah. Luca. Like Donovan Mitchell, you had to get seventy one. And shit, they went back to um to the replays and said you weren't even supposed to get seventy one. You were supposed to have fifty something. Basically, um, based off how he stepped out of bounds or some shit like that, and they didn't call it. But um, the fact that these players have to score this much and are barely pulling out wins—that's crazy, bro. Like that, I don't know. Like we, well, we like I said, it's not just one player on one team that can do it. It's somebody on the other side of the court that can get buckets at just as high as a level as you. You know what I'm saying? Because even though Donovan Mitchell had 71, he played against Demar Derozan, who had 44. Like he's yeah. going against Levine, who had twenty something. Like uh, on both sides of the ball, niggas can get buckets at a high level. It's not just one nigga. So, some some team we're we're gonna see a team get two hundred points. Like I'm calling it. We're right going now. to get there, but like, less and less foul. We getting more. Now I, I don't want to see that though, bro. I don't want to see. It. I barely like the fact that people get in the one fifty. Like that's all star game. The one fifty in the old days, but it was more rare for sure. That was it was rare, but niggas was getting that was that was like one game out of the whole damn season. It was rare. Like, but like you said, with the 60 150 games this year. Like, like I said, with the changing of the rules, shit gotta change. The the NBA wants more scoring. I don't actually I don't think we're gonna get it too much because 200 just sounds ridiculous. Nah, bro. Somebody gonna get 200, bro. Nah, I'm telling you. 200 sounds ridiculous. Yeah, 150, 160 sounded ridiculous too at one point, but look at that. 160, I think, might be the max. If we get to 165, it's like, all right, niggas got to start bringing more fouls back. Because obviously, too much shit is happening that we got to start pulling back on shit. 160 probably be my my cap. But yeah, 200 just sounds like a 200 or 180 game. I guess an all star game. Like, nigga, why am I saying in the real NBA game? That shit is. But uh, moving on to two out Wednesday, what you got for this week? Uh, so my first poll, uh, Mike Evans will end his career as a top 10 wide receiver. Too wild or not too wild? A top what? A top 10 wide receiver. All time. Too wild. I think, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But I think there's definitely, easily 10 wide receivers I can name better than, than Mike. Like, we got to think, bro. Even though Mike is consistent, like niggas like Larry Fitzgerald are not in the top five and they're top ten. Elite, great, consistently first team, all pro type of players. You know what I'm saying? So I give Mike Evans the Hall of Fame. Now he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for sure for what he's done. And shout out to Mike because this is his ninth season with a thousand yards and all the seasons. Like, shout out to Mike. But I don't think he can't be up there in that top ten conversation where you got niggas like Larry. Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, all those type of players up there. And I can name more, you know what I'm saying? Like, that shit's not... Like, I don't even put him over niggas like Steve, and I don't even think Steve's gonna make the Hall of Fame. I don't even put him, like, over niggas like Steve and, like, Andre Johnson. He was great, but it's still niggas I don't... He Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson probably gonna make the Hall of Fame, too. That's the crazy thing. That was some great-ass wide receivers in the mid-2000s. <laughs> that was some great-ass wide receivers. Hey, but but like you said, everybody shouldn't make the Hall, bro. Like, there has no. to be a different Hall of Fame. Like <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. I, I say not too wild, though. I think he can do it. Um, He's at 10th 
thousand and something yards right now, either nine or ten thousand something yards. So with another four and forty five hundred or five thousand yards, he'll creep into the top ten all time of just total yards for wide receivers. So that's one argument. And then two, he has damn near every offensive, um, either every offensive or every wide receiver record for Bucks franchise history. Is we might as well rename goddamn Raymond James after Mike Evans at this point. Um, so he's breaking all those records for friend, for the franchise. He's creeping into top 10 in yards. Why are you pulling him over Julio Jones? If you're not oh. pulling him over Julio Jones, he's not top 10. Off of impact, I'm going to just say Julio. That's the thing. Come on, bro. You play out with me, man. You no, that's it. I no, give Mike the consistency of shit. I'll give Mike a whole lot of credit. I'll put him in the Hall of Fame for the consistency. But I'm not putting that nigga over Julio, bro. Ain't no way. Wait. No, but that's Ain't what I'm no saying. Off of, off of impact, I'll pick Julio. But I think that's the thing with every other wide receiver. There's the impact portion on the game. And I feel like every other wide receiver that you will probably name to me, they've had an imprint on the game. And I think that's the only thing holding Mike back. He hasn't had an imprint. Bro got the stats. Bro oh, yeah. has the footage. Like, mm -hmm. the eye test will tell you. The stats will tell you. He's one of the, over the last five years minimum, he's been one of the best deep ball receivers in the league. Like, if if there's any wide receiver I could trust throwing a goal route, it's Mike Evans. So, the eye test, the stats, the franchise records, the National Football League records of being one of, like, three or four people to have nine-plus seasons in a row of 1,000 yards, he got it all mapped out. Career is there, straight Hall of Famer. But mm -hmm. like I always say with athletes, the impact portion of your career matters when it comes to talking about the greats. And I don't think Mike has that with Julio. It was just a different type of beast when we saw him with Ocho, with T.O., with Jerry. Like all of these, Tim Brown, all these receivers, they changed the game or impacted the game at such a level beyond just their football skills. It was their swag. It was the way they talked. It was the way they just carried themselves and lifted the team. And I don't think Mike does that. And I don't blame Mike. It's the Bucks, And you were playing with trash quarterbacks for the majority of your career, still getting these stats. But I will say Mike don't have the impact the other receivers have. That's why I'll, I'll say, like, Julio, yes. If we were just talking straight up stats, I ain't going to lie. It ain't crazy to say Mike when we just talk no, about stats. Talk about stats. No, like you said, he got the stats, but hey, I got Julio for sure. Got for, for sure got Julio. I'm looking at the top. I mean, they got some niggas in the top 10 that there's some older niggas, so maybe Mike can get them niggas out the way. But yeah. Cause like you gotta think about I think Devontae Adams is somebody from this era that could potentially be in the Hall of Fame. Probably is gonna be in the Hall of Fame with his stats and his track record. Are you putting Mike over Devontae? Yes. Cause Devontae was consistently named as a top three or the best wide receiver in his era. And and something holding Mike Evans back, too, he doesn't have any all-pros. I don't think that's Mike Evans' fault, though, bro. I think Mike Evans said, and Richard Sherman has said this, like, there's been several NFL players that have said Mike Evans is probably one of the most underrated players, not even just receivers, underrated players of his entire era. The fact that Mike Evans has no all-pros and you're getting a 1,000-plus yards every season, you're the reason the Bucs have even had any type of offensive success for the most part for like the last eight years minimum like that yeah. 
that's something that that really shocks me that he has no all pros and he don't even got that many pro bowls either i think it's just the bad luck of being on the bucks you put mike evans on any other team put him on the cowboys promise to god mike evans will probably have seven pro bowls not even gonna lie to you probably do probably would yeah, looking at it, he could probably be top 15 looking at the top wide receiver. He'd probably be top That's why I say it's not crazy, bro. People, when I say that, people think I'm talking crazy. I'm like, no, like, you put Mike Evans on any other relevant team, people are treating this man like a god probably. But he's on the book, so it's like, eh. Are you putting him over Antonio Brown? Antonio, yeah. no, you can't put him over Antonio Brown. I'll put him over Antonio. No. You can't put him over Antonio Brown. No, what Antonio was doing, and Noah Steelers does? No, you can't. Do it. I could put him over Antonio. No, because this is the thing with Mike. Because yes, he was getting a thousand yards, but that nigga wasn't dominant like a nigga like Antonio Browns was dominant, bro. He wasn't like that. He he's scraping to get a thousand. Like a lot of his seasons was like a thousand and six yards, a thousand and three yards. It was years where Antonio Brown was like. 17, 16, 1500 yard seasons, bro. Like that nigga was the best receiver in the NFL. Playing with Nick Bennett through the whole time. Mike Evans putting up a wreck every season and his quarterback changing like the seasons. Come on now. Like that that's an argument, bro. That's a that's a real argument. Mike Evans. Mike Evans putting up racks with goddamn Josh Freeman and and James Winston and all these other quarterbacks, like quarterbacks. That nigga won that one flipping around like this. Wait, no, not Josh Freeman. Damn, who I'm talking about? I'm thinking of... I think he was there when Jameis was there. Who was there? He was there when Jameis was there. But Mike Evans... Oh, wait, damn. Did he come damn, on Jameis? Yes. It, was, it was just Jameis. Yeah, it was just him. Yeah, it was just Jameis this whole time. But um, still, the fact Fitzpatrick will start some games. Goddamn, Jameis will start some games. Whatever other backup quarterback we had, whenever we would sit down, goddamn uh, Jameis Winston, Mike Evans catching balls from everybody, and he's still racking up a 1,000. I don't care if it's a 1,001. No other receiver other than two or three names from the past can say I've had nine seasons where I got wrecked every season. And he's staying healthy. He's staying healthy. He's staying consistent. He's the reason we even have a chance on offense. So he's definitely the most valuable player on the team offensively outside of the Brady years recently. So I, I think it's an argument at least. It's at least an argument. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. All right, next one. Uh, who will have the better bounce back season, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun. I think Deshaun's only problem is that he hasn't had a full all training camp with the team. Obviously, he had those few weeks of practice before he actually came back for week one. But he's basically been suspended for this whole time. He hasn't had a training camp. So I think next year he's going to be way better. And I think they're going to add more pieces around him in terms of wide receiver. I think Russell will have a better season, but I don't think he's going to be at the same level Deshaun. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Deshaun Watson coming back um bigger and better. Uh Russell Wilson, he also getting old excuse me, he also getting older. So um I got Deshaun being the better one coming back. Uh next one. Where is Jim Harbaugh more likely to coach next? The Panthers, the Bucks, the Colts, or other? I bet the Panthers. I th I've heard a report this week that they've already reached out to him, and I think he fits. Because I was telling my mom what I'm looking for in a coach for Carolina. I'm looking for somebody that's proven on the NFL level. Like, I don't want just a college coach coming in like uh, Matt Rule did. It was a college coach. He tried to make his own little coach or whatever. 
We've seen Jim Harbaugh have success at San Francisco, and we've seen him have success at uh, Michigan. So we know that he knows both sides of the game. He has a good relationship with players, obviously. And importantly, he's one at this level. That's the type of coach I want who can build a culture for Carolina. No matter who the quarterback is, I just want somebody who can build a culture that we're going to move forward with this. Not somebody who's like, oh, I want everybody to everything to revolve around me because I'm coming from college and that's how it is. Nah, because NFL is completely different. And Jim Harbaugh already knows that as she knows. So I think Jim Harbaugh is good for the Panthers. Young team too. It works. Uh who do I think he can go to? Um hmm. I would probably say the Colts. I feel like the Colts have been a formidable team the past couple of years now. It's just that quarterback situation that they that they just have to get right at this point. And I think with Harbaugh going into the Colts situation, it it gives the organization a breath of fresh air of like, okay, we got somebody who can really get this program in order. Now, I mean, I know they got this old Just Saturday shit going on, so it seems completely array right now in Indianapolis. But I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, you go into a division that's winnable immediately if you get the Colts on the right track. Only outside of Jaguars, he ain't really – well, because I don't even know if – this is a conversation for another day, but I don't even know if Tannehill is going to be with the Titans for much longer. I've been hearing they might they might trade your boy. So I don't know if the Titans are going to be as big of a contender. So outside of Jacksonville, if you're the Colts and Jim Harbaugh, who you worry about for real? And then the run game is solid with Jonathan Taylor. The defense ain't, you know, um – Ain't too bad. It's good enough to keep you in games, um, for the most part. You know, we, but what are you worried about in the NFC South? The Brady about to leave. We all about to be trashing you. I mean, the Falcons are gonna be the Falcons. And then y'all got uh who else? You got the Saints, they still ain't got no quarterback. We still them. We don't got no quarterback either. We all on the same uh playing field once Brady leaves. And <laughs> y'all defense Brady. better. Y'all yeah, defense yeah. better. So I think I thought I said a young team. I wish we would have taken this year. I think it would have been an even better job if we would have taken. So it would have been a clear who the quarterback would have been. But here we are. Yeah. I think the between the Panthers and the Colts, I like those two teams. Yeah. I, I was reading some list. I think it was on CBSSports.com. The Colts too. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't remember who he played for. Damn, I thought he played for the Colts. He was the quarterback for them. I, I saw on CBSSports.com they had the Bucks listed on there. Although I don't think we're sticking with Todd Bowles, I I doubt Jim Harbaugh is looking at us right now. So um, I don't even know why our name was even in discussion on that website. <laughs> I I just I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. But uh, my next Indianapolis, bro. I thought I see him in a jersey. He does. He did play. Uh, he played for Chicago, Indianapolis, and Baltimore and San Diego. So yeah, might have some time. My last one. Will Zion Williamson ever lead a championship team too wild or not too wild? Because, bro, what I told you, hell, I told you this about three years ago now. Damn, basically, as soon as he got in the goddamn league or right before he got in the league, health is going to be an issue with Zion Williamson throughout his whole career. So, do you think he can be? a lead player on a championship team, or is he just going to be on a championship team, but he's not the number one? No, no, no. If he's, if he's on a team, he's the number one. I, he's capable of it. I don't know, bro. He gets hurt at such a high rate, though, bro. He getting hurt like AD. 
Like he on some AD shit, right? Yeah. But AD had that one season where he was healthy. Hey, that one season. Hey, but he won. He got a championship. Yeah, no, he, he, he got a championship. Hey. It was that one season. That's all he did. It. Hey, he won. He won the leader though. We know that one. Oh yeah, he won. <laughs> Damn, that's a tough question because I like what they're doing this year, bro. I love the Pelicans team. I love their stars. I love McCullough. But the health, like I told you earlier, is the problem. This, this is a bad time for him to be out as extensively as he's going to be out. He's going to be out three weeks minimum, like I told you earlier. And th and this is right before All-Star break. So basically, you ain't playing until All-Star break come. And he probably, that that final week leading up to All-Star week, he probably is just going to take that extra week off. Mm -hmm. And and then just play after the All-Star break. So you're looking basically until February that we're going to see Zion playing again. And I don't know what the Pelicans are going to be seated at that point. So is this going to be a reoccurring thing every season? Or you are you willing to sit here and say, no, nah, he going to be healthy one of these seasons and lead these boys? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. One of these seasons he play off. Look, because I'm not expecting this nigga to play 82 games. That's just an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, My yeah. more so expectation is him to play 67. That's what I was hoping for this year, but obviously he's going to miss more than that. But if he could play 67 and be healthy for me in the playoffs, but is that going to happen? Because this this, sad, this hurting, this is going to hurt his career when it comes to MVP talks and everything, bro. If you could barely play 60 games, like, you ain't winning no MVP. Like, it, it's just not happening. Because <laughs> even if you go out and the team starts falling off, it's going to be other MVP candidates who are playing at minimum 65 games. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Zion ain't played. So this is why the Pelicans fell off. Okay, but what about the other three to four MVP candidates who did play and got their team where they need to be? It's going to hurt his chances, I think, when it comes to MVP conversations, when it comes to championship talk. like it, And it's sad to see because Zion is so talented, but when you're that size and move as agile and cut as quick as he do, it, it just spells a recipe for injury at some point. Yeah, it's unfortunate, bro. Uh, I would say not too wild for now. It hurts me to say that, but I would say not too wild. The injuries are going to continue to bite them. Yeah, I think they're going to continue to bite them, bro. That's tough. But uh, anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, moving on to social media wants to know, are hood classics a thing of the past? Yeah, so I posed this question because... I saw I saw the tweet. I'm sure a lot of y'all have recently where they were ranking some of the best um quote unquote hood movies, black movies, if you just want to call them black movies. And it was like you got served over ATL, over Stomp the Yard, over Drumline. And it was causing a whole controversy and debate of like, no, this movie is better than this movie, this, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, and it just got me thinking. What are we gonna continue to get hood classics anymore, bro? Or is that just an era that is now left in the past? Think about it. Over the last five years, have you seen a movie, a black movie, and said, "Damn, this one for the hood for real"? Like this, is a hood classic that everybody should know. When was the last time you watched a new one? Not rewatch something. I'm talking about a new hood classic. That's tough. I haven't seen a hood classic in a minute. But I think everything today is so overly produced that there honestly can't be hood classics anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because the thing, the good thing about hood classics and why they last so much time 
is that they were underproduced. Everything wasn't like glitz and glamour, you know what I'm saying? Or just felt like big budget type of films. Like even when they tried to do Drumline 2, it just felt overproduced. Let alone, we could take all of the acting and all that bullshit out. But it just looked like too much going on. It was too much spritz on the shit. Like old Drumline, it just felt like them niggas was at school. It felt like you were just chilling with your people yeah. at school. It just don't have the same vibe with the type of technology that we have today. So I don't think we're ever going to get hit hood classics because everything is just going to be overly produced. All of these reboots that we're going to do, it's not going to work out. It's Everything is just going to be left in that 90s, 2000 era, bro. It's just something that we have to look back at, but we could never recreate it at all. Because I, I think it's, it's possible to, to bring that type of vibe back because even though we got all this technology now, we... We got all these, like Quincy said, all this glitz and glamour when it comes to the production of films and even TV shows at this point. I think you can still get older cameras. You can still get vintage equipment to make whatever you're filming have that type of feel. And like, I think everybody has in their mind what type of footage we're talking about when we talk about this. Like when you watch a movie like Drumline, you can see the way the camera quality, you can see the way the the tone of the movie is, is different than Drumline 2. Drumline 2 felt like Tyler Perry and BET Bay. Like, it, it, it literally felt like that. No As opposed to the first Drumline, you really felt like Quincy said, you felt like this was, it wasn't low budget, but it wasn't like superstar type of production quality. And I think that median is what Quincy's talking about. And I, I, I don't know if we'll get it again. I hope we can get some type of vibe like that. Even if it is overly produced, are we gonna get movies where the they younger give you that rhyme? Yeah, yeah, uh, like Lottery Ticket. I'll say Lottery Ticket is probably the last hood classic that mm. I've seen, and that was what 2010. That was about 2010, bro. Yeah, that's a good point. Lottery Ticket is a hood classic. Damn, that was, that was good. it's 2023. That was 13 years ago. We we pushing 15 years with Lottery Ticket, bro. Like that that's crazy. Damn, bro. But uh, see the thing is, it gotta be niggas doing nigga shit. And I think we're losing yeah. that type of recipe, we're, we're bro. In all of these hood <laughs> classic movies, you could talk about how high, you could talk about Friday, all of these movies, it was niggas doing nigga shit. Now everybody gotta be so inclusive on certain shit. Everybody trying to hit a certain uh agenda that they wanna run with. That nobody's just keeping it black and like, oh shit, this feel like my shit feel like I'm watching my niggas just in a movie. Like nobody's going to give you that vibe anymore because they always feel like somebody's going to come at them for this certain reason instead of just making it for black. So this is the target audience. If everybody, if somebody else fucks with it, cool. And that's what a lottery ticket felt like. Like it's no white people in lottery ticket. There is nothing but black people in lottery ticket. They made this movie for us, nigga. We're gonna watch this movie. If y'all white people, Latino people, Asian people like movie, cool. But it was made for us. Nobody else is making movies just for us anymore. And I think that's when we're losing the authenticity of things as well. And that's why it doesn't feel like anything can really go back to that. You know what I'm saying? It don't feel like anything. I feel like somebody like a what's his name, Kenya Kenya Barris. Is somebody who he wants to to do that. I think he had a couple of shows. I think Blackish and uh he he's the creator of Blackish and uh I think he had a show called Black as Fuck on Netflix. He tries to do it, but not at the 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 rate that it should be done. He's somebody who likes to mix race, the genders, and all that type of shit. But if he was just to focus on I'm gonna keep this solely black, that's what we would get back to. Okay, damn. 
he's somebody I think could do it. Nobody else in the game is really showing me that. I think we need more young black filmmakers that can give us that vibe. I think everybody in the game right now, other than Coogler, Coogler's still pretty young, but he's so stuck in that Marvel world that nobody is giving us that type of feel anymore. You know what I'm saying? We need more young black filmmakers. Like the, the Mallory Bros, for example. If them niggas were to make movies, dog, you talk about we can get some hood classes again or something like that. But I don't, I don't think it would recipe. do the classics. I don't think the Mallory Bros would do hood. You look at their old school projects, I think they could do Because I... And not saying I don't think they would do it because they can't. I'm, I'm more than sure they could if they wanted to. I just don't think they would want to because I think they're they're very outside the box with their thinking, and they mm-hmm. really like they really like trying to be as original as possible. And mm-hmm. I just don't think that would be in their their genre of what they would want to try to do. They would want to try and do more abstract type of shit. But why is that? I think a lot of people try to have that same mindset making a movie of like, I don't want to do what's been done. But all of the black people fuck with it. It's a classic, but y'all want to make something completely different that makes you stand out and it ends up most likely flopping or not doing as well as you want it to do. When you have a recipe in front of you that has a 20-year, 20-, 30-year record of working, but nobody wants to hit that recipe anymore. So we got to reboot everything, like coming to America and all this other bullshit that doesn't hit. But we have the recipe in front of our face, but we want to make everything else so we can stand out for these white folks instead of just making something for us, solely for us. All of these movies that we're talking about, hood classics, were made for blacks. If other races fuck with them, that's cool. But they were made for us. And that's what we're losing in the game, bro. It's too much include. Uh, inclusivity right now bro everybody wants to be in the movie and all that type shit another um there there was a hood classic that came out and it didn't feel like a hood classic because it it came out on netflix but dope oh dope was cool dope was cool dope i can count dope as a hood classic i can i I don't know if i would give a hood classic well, not not a hood Hope, classic. Hope, Hope was Dope was a good movie though. Dope was good because I don't I don't want to just throw the word classic out there like that because classics are classics. But when I say hood classics, y'all, I just mean in a sense of like you black and you ain't seen this movie. Like I I mean in that sense. Yeah, not not the classics are the classics. Don't don't get me wrong. But when I say hood classics, I'm just speaking in a sense of like, damn, how you ain't seen this movie yet? Or like, damn, you mean to tell me you never saw this? Like how people be like, you ain't never seen Belly. You ain't never seen mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood. You ain't never seen this. Like, and you black. Like, I feel like Dope is one of those movies of like, you ain't never seen, or you ain't never at least seen a couple scenes from it. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I wish we would get back to it. One of my favorites is Roll Bounce. I wish we got back to that. Oh, yeah. Sure. Roll Bounce is my Ooh, shit. Roll Bounce can come there, bro. Roll Bounce is my shit, bro. I used to want to say, talk about quotable movies. You know about- what I'm saying? That's my shit. I wish we got movies like that again. But you see how it's just black shit? But these niggas was just doing regular everyday shit. These niggas was skating. Was going regular. It was a skating competition. <laughs> niggas had beef, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? But it was just some dope shit made for us. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. All of these movies that we're saying are not extravagant plots, bro. A nigga won the lottery. Friday is niggas ch- chilling on the porch. In the hood. Bro, literally chilling in the hood on a Friday. Bro, you know what I'm saying? How high is niggas smoking and getting smart inside of a damn school? Like, these plots are not extravagant, bro. But they're made for us. And this shit works, bro. I'm telling you, man. We have the recipe in front of us, but niggas don't want to use it. 
for like you said, inclusivity reasons, and niggas don't want to go down the stereotype of oh, I'm black and I got I'm about to make this hood classic yeah. black movie. Like you said about the Mallory Bros, they probably wouldn't make a movie like that because they don't want to be a part of the stereotypical black. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. So that could be a reason too that we don't see those type of movies anymore. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of y'all have seen the social media uproar of what Skip Bayless tweeted uh, during the Demar Hamlin situation. Uh, I'll read. I'll just read the tweet that um got everybody stirred up. I ain't gonna go through the two to three tweets because they were all pretty lengthy. But the tweet that got everybody stirred up was, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. That one tweet in the string of tweets that he gave caused a social media uproar, which I agree he did deserve. Skip Bayless did deserve that. But I also don't think he meant it as maliciously and That's as ill-hearted. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it was as ill-hearted as people were saying. It was insensitive, though. I do want to let that be known. A man damn near did down the field, and Skip kind of was. But that's what. Because I, I I read it and I didn't. I wasn't upset when I read it the first time. Yeah, but I seen everybody. I seen everybody quote tweeted and they were upset. And I was like, I understand why you can be upset. But he yeah. said at the end, which seems irrelevant. That's where I read that, and I was like, okay, he means this game doesn't mean shit because dude passed away. And he the two clarified tweets before that, yeah, the two tweets before that, he said, I'm praying for DeMar and his family. Like, he had two tweets leading up to that where you could say, oh, okay, Skip, like, really understands the situation. I think Skip is already hated okay. by everybody. Yeah, I'm about to say, right. I think he's a villain. <laughs> he, he's a villain, rightfully so, because he, he put himself in that situation. But... I don't think that tweet, I think that tweet was just taken way out of context by a lot of people. And he didn't help himself today on on the show with Shannon Sharp. Now, he wrong as fuck for how he did Shannon on the show, not letting him speak. But that tweet in particular, I don't think anything was really wrong with it. Yeah. And I think Shannon about to leave, bro. <laughs> I really think, and I think more people are starting to see it too. A lot of people were questioning it yesterday because he didn't show up. So everybody was like, damn, did Shannon quit because of the tweet or whatever? So... I don't know. And I think it's been building up for a minute. Me and Edgar were just joking about it a couple of days ago about the, the whole argument about the Hall of Fame thing. Like, Skip was the greatest hater of all time. And that's why I love that nigga because that nigga is really goaded for that. But he, you can, he obviously, for being around him for a long time, he can obviously rub you the wrong way. And he can, like, really wear at his wealth. So I think that's what uh, Shannon is starting to realize. Like, okay, I've been dealing with this nigga for three, four years now. It's like, all right, it might be time to move on. He criticized me about the the Hall of Fame thing. Uh, you were sticking up for Tom Brady while trying to diminish my career. <laughs> like, you doing all this type of shit. It's like, all right, bro, you're not valuing this friendship more so than you trying to get your takes off type shit and trying to, you know what I'm saying, hate on the next man. So I think Shannon could potentially leave over the next couple of weeks. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, like Quincy said, they've been – I think they've been like seriously going at it now for like three to four years, but they've been on the show together for six years. This uh, July of this year, 2023 will be seven years. Cause they really? started, I think July of 2016 is when they started. So they've been wow. doing it over six years now. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so they, he's, I think the show has run its course for, at least with Shannon anyway, the, the show has run its course to where if Shannon walked away, even if this situation didn't happen, if Shannon just woke up one day and just said, hey, I'm I'm done with the show. I'm ready to move on to the next thing because he has his own podcast called Club Shay Shay, which is um, sponsored by 
Fox Sports. So he's still getting a good check from that. And it's his own platform. So he could walk away whenever he wants. I think it's just like Quincy said, the the friendship aspect of it, of he's still cool with Skip, but he is on that last leg with Skip of like, all right, bro, like it's getting to the point where I can't even defend you against people no more. Exactly. Look up that beat crazy now, bro. too. Yeah. I've seen, I've, I've seen the video Matt Barnes made today um, where Matt Barnes was talking about the situation. He said, I personally have had to stop within the last two years, I've had to stop a coach and a player for literally trying to whoop Skip Bayless ass. Like, it's mm-hmm. been that serious with people who don't like him. And Shannon has been in the forefront every time of defending him. But now Shannon, like, nah, bro, I can't do this shit no more. Because you're not even defending me. You're not even respecting me anymore. You're just willing to get your takes off, like you said, to the point to where you don't even care how it makes me feel. And we supposed mm-hmm. to be friends when this camera cut off. We supposed to be friends. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Shannon walked away from and that's the thing about Shannon. Shannon still looks at Skip as Skip was the one who let him in the door of this type of industry. Before Skip, he didn't have this type of opportunity. So he still looks at Skip as, like, gracious for giving me this opportunity. That's why I put up with your bullshit. Well, it's like, it got to get to a point where it's like, all right, bro, fuck all that bullshit. Fuck all of that opportunity that you gave me. I've, I'm done with this shit. Especially, like you said, he has another platform. He can do his own thing. He can start another goddamn show probably with somebody else. Smile. Uh, Fox Sports. It could be at another network stuff. if he wants. Yeah, like it's so much shit he can do, bro. Where you don't gotta put up with Skip bullshit, bro. You know what I'm saying? And Skip and Stephen A. felt the same way. Like you just, it's like it gets to a certain point where it's like you just gotta move on. And it happens with all shows. It's not just Skip. It's not just Stephen A. I mean, all these shows. First things first. Chris Carter ended up leaving. Uh, Shannon probably gonna end up leaving. Max and Steve, uh, Skip ended up leaving. First take. This shit just happens. It's where's your welcome when you have to debate a nigga? Because you just get tired of debating sports where just that shit just becomes personal. And you just get tired of looking at that nigga too. So that's another, probably another big. And moving on, is TikTok getting dangerous? Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if a lot of y'all, I don't be on TikTok. So I'm going to assume whoever's listening don't be on TikTok like me. Uh, <laughs> but I did recently see this trend of, and it's mostly been young people doing it, but they people have been going up to older people saying that certain celebrities have passed away and they're doing it to get older people's reaction. So let's say, knock on wood, obviously, I'm just saying a name. Let's say I go up to somebody and say, uh, I'll just use this name because this is the name in the example I'm going to give after this. But let's say I walk up to my mom and be like, oh my God, Michael B. Jordan just died. And I'm saying that just so I can get my mom's reaction. Like that is a trend right now that is happening on TikTok. And we see how funny that the outcome can be because Angela Bassett's son, I think that was her son. He did that with Michael B. Jordan and everybody got super offended by it. She got super offended by it because Michael B. Jordan ain't just a regular famous person to her. Like that's somebody she works with. That's somebody she considers family. And the fact that Chadwick Boseman died out of nowhere and they were all working together. So for her son to come up to her and be like, oh, my God, Michael B. Jordan just passed at 30 something years old. Like Angela Bassett was shook on the camera. Like she was like, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. Like and she forced her son to apologize. It looked like she whooped his ass and everything. So but this is the thing about the whole situation, bro, like. They made that dude feel so shitty because he only like, what, 15, probably a teenager. They made that dude feel so shitty 
when that was a trend that's been happening for a couple of weeks now, it was just on a more so a high profile actress like Angela Bassett where everybody's seen it. But this has been happening on for everybody. I mean, I think my sister or other people like my sister age have been doing that same type of thing, trying to get the people's reaction. I've, a lot of people have said that there weren't a lot of black people's reactions because pe black people know not to try people like that. And we're more so desensitized to it, too, because we've lost so many people in the community over the past few years that if I was to tell you somebody died, you probably would be like, damn. And then we moving on like ain't shit. Uh, unless it's like a big ass name. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's more so how we're starting to roll with it now. That's why it was really like a trend that started with the white folks. And it's like trickled into the, the black people now. And we seeing it with her son. But I just didn't like how he was getting so much hate when this was the trend. We see all y'all niggas hop on trends all the time. It's just this time it happened with a high profile actress. And this trend is just stupid as fuck anyway. Because why the fuck are you doing it? The, the trend is stupid as fuck, but I'm not mad for people getting on his head. Like, I, I understand here. Because if you're going to get on his head, you need to get on everybody's head. And that wasn't well, the type yeah. of energy. That's not the energy they was keeping is my point. Y'all only got on him when the whole goddamn TikTok uh, app was doing this type of trend. Y'all was laughing along with the shit. That's my point. They was I, only mad because it happened to Angela Bassett. So everybody seeing it, everybody see how she reacted because it was Michael B. Jordan. So not everybody on this little kid head. Now, he got to apologize for the shit when the whole TikTok, TikTok app is doing this shit and nobody is hopping on their head for the shit. Nobody's telling them, hey, stop doing this trend. Y'all just getting on this little nigga. Now, he got to hold the whole weight of this trend on his shoulders. It's like, damn, again, y'all got to tell everybody to chill on this stupid ass shit, not just him feeling this burden. You know what I'm saying? I, I totally agree. And, and that's why I posed the question, is TikTok getting dangerous? Because... I just hear and see so many people doing certain shit just because TikTok, like just because somebody did it on TikTok, bro. And it, this ain't the first time people have done stupid shit because of social media. But I think it's at an all time high with this TikTok shit because of how quickly you can go viral. You can go viral on TikTok quicker than any other social media I have ever seen, bro. Like it, it's crazy. Like somebody can. Somebody can goddamn. I don't know. This is a fake situation, but somebody could pour water on their laptop and then hurry up and pour a bag of rice on it, pick it up out the rice and be like, see, nothing happened to it. A million people would literally try to do the same thing just because they saw it on TikTok and said, well, such and such did it on TikTok, so it must work. Like, that's scary, bro. Like, no, the fact no. that it's at an all time high with this shit. And and I think this situation of people going around saying people are dead, because this ain't the first time people have, you know, um, purposely or mistakenly said people are dead because people do it on Twitter all the time. People did it with RIP to John Witherspoon, but people did it with John Witherspoon for years until he really did die. Like, and that was on Twitter. That was just some tweet shit mm -hmm. to where we could kind of tell like, hey, ain't no real news outlet said this, like niggas are tweeting just a tweet. Mm -hmm. But with this TikTok shit, it's like you're getting people's real, you're getting older people off guard reactions, people who don't be on social media, people who really find out from young people nowadays. Old people get news like that from young people a lot because we see it before they do now. So I, that's why I'm thinking this shit's getting dangerous because people are so thoughtless. People are so mindless. That's what I was going to say. There's no thought yeah. behind anything that they're doing that they just see it. They see in that the person that did it got a couple of likes. 
So they're like, oh, this is what I got to do for me to really start to bubble up my TikTok name. So they're going to do the same type of thing where it's like, there's no thought behind what you're doing. You're not even thinking about what you're going to say to your mom about somebody that she potentially loves or she fucks with and you're telling them that she did. You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't matter what the reaction is, bro. That traumatizing that person in that moment isn't funny, isn't any cool thing. But that's something that was funny and cool to everybody else when it was the trend when everybody else was doing it. When this little kid did it, when her son did it, it was like, nigga, it was nothing but hate. But it's like, damn, it was nothing but jokes when everybody else on TikTok was doing it. Damn, why y'all didn't hop on anybody else here? So that was the only problem I did with it. The whole trend as a whole is stupid. And like you said, I agree with you. It's getting dangerous. But him to feel that entire burden of like social media just falling on his shoulders because he did it when it's all everybody else on that app is doing it. It was just like, that shit crazy. Y'all got to spread yeah, that yeah. hate around. You know yeah, it, it definitely, it shit. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I would be surprised because they ain't do it yet. But um, TikTok with shit like that, any social media app, they have algorithms to where they can tell when people are doing shit like that. Yeah. I feel like they should take those videos off. Like, because, mm -hmm. like, it, it's power. But no, they getting good engagement, though, bro. Niggas is laughing. Niggas is fucking with the content. Yeah, so they ain't going to take it off. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody likes it. If it's, gonna, if it's popular, TikTok ain't going to take it off. It was a popular trend. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't the only nigga. People, um, people report shit, and these apps take off shit when they feel like it's bullying. There's anti-bullying rules that they can take videos off. There's anti-harassment rules. Like, why can't there be, like, why can't there be a rule of like this is offensive or something like that? To you, you get what I'm saying? Like, why can't there be some type of algorithm to where those videos can get taken off? There could be, I could say, I could literally type on Facebook, you suck towards somebody. And Facebook's algorithm will be like, hey, you're using offensive language or blah, blah, blah. We're taking the status down. So why can't TikTok, which is an even more advanced and more modern app, why can't that app do the same thing to where it could tell, oh, this is content that we don't want posted on this platform. We're taking this video down. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like there's a way they can do it. I it's just haven't done it. But TikTok fucks with the engagement and the popularity of something more so than the the sense and the knowledge of, oh, I got to take this shit down behind it. You know what I'm saying? I think Facebook looking at offensive words is something different. You know what I'm saying? Because if there was something offensive in the words and it was popular on Facebook, Facebook probably would keep the shit up because it's drawing engagement. That's what they want. And that's what TikTok is looking at, the engagement of certain shit. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. It's weird, bro. Social media is weird even though we're on this shit every day it's like certain rabbit holes of social media and you look at it it's just like damn y'all really be on that shit and that's really how it's feeling now it's like y'all niggas in a universe far far away from what i'm doing <laughs> but uh anything else for entertainment or current events nah that's it all right and moving on to past the ox what you got for song of the week uh kodak black me myself and i off of that institution tape fuck with that one boy yes sir yeah, what I got. I've been listening to a lot of that. So we doing two? We doing one or two? I'll do two, cause I got I got Scissor and Jacquees. I got first. Now I love right. my second. I got Gone Girl by Scissor. That might be the best song Scissor has ever dropped. Gone Girl by uh on this new album. That shit is mm -hmm. beautiful, bro. Beautiful track. And then I also got Tell Me It's Over by Jacquees, Summer Walker, and uh Six Lack. Mm. Wait, so it is six lakh, not black? I don't know. I just call him six lakh. 
Don't put a <laughs> don't put a six in your name if you don't want niggas to call you six lack. <laughs> like don't put a six in your name, nigga. That boy said the name so confident and said, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> you got a six in that nigga name. That nigga name is six lack from now on. Uh, what's my second song gonna be? Ooh, Saint Laurent Mask by Quavo and Travis Saint Scott. Laurent Mask. Yes, Underrated project for sure. Definitely underrated project. I got All right, man. And what is the movie and show reviews that we got coming up? Uh, we just dropped our Avatar two review. Um, pray we get so we got to watch pray and review that. We got to review Glass Onion, uh, the new season of Last Chance You. But Avatar two is our most recent up uh, uploaded reaction. So go watch that. We do a compare and trash of the first and second movie. It's not much to compare and contrast, but we did yeah, yeah. Dive <laughs> We we did as best we could. <laughs> yeah, we we dove into a lot about that movie, went into great detail, talked about the ending and all that type of shit. So definitely give it a listen. And uh yeah, we appreciate you guys for listening this week. And we out. Peace. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Q and E podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And feel free to listen to us anytime on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Submit all questions and inquiries to qandepodcast at gmail.com.